Attention, podcast listener. We've got an exciting new podcast coming just for patrons of patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Talking Futurama Season 2 Part 1 has begun exclusively for our $5 and up patrons on the Talking Simpsons Network. That's the first 10 episodes of Futurama coming to you once a week. So just sign up for $5 a month at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons and you'll get Talking Futurama Season 2 and all of our limited miniseries, including the entirety of Talking Futurama Season 1. That's 13 episodes. That is patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Now please enjoy the rest of this podcast. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons where we're all on the Bigfoot diet. I'm your host, the land behemoth Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of the Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Henry Gilbert, and this podcast has a fryer for every part of the chicken. And who do we have on the line? Uh, I'm Ian Boothby, and I'll be doing couch gags at home to make up for the ones missing in this episode. Oh, wow. <laughs> and today's episode is Call of the Simpsons. Everybody ready? I don't want to go. That's the spirit. Ready or not, nature, here we come! Today's episode aired on February 18th, 1990, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby, Bill Bixby gets angry for the final time in the Death of the Incredible <laughs> Hulk TV movie. The Wayne's World Aerosmith sketch happens on Saturday Night Live. Quite a major moment in that show. And in one of the biggest upsets in boxing history, Buster Douglas defeats Mike Tyson in their controversial Tokyo boxing match. And that match got him a bad Genesis game. It really did, yeah. <laughs> they, uh, the story of the Buster Douglas boxing game is really funny because the Genesis guys they they're like well mike tyson's on the nes so if we get the guy who beat mike tyson then we've got the better boxing game but by the time the game came out buster douglas had lost like his first defense so they had to like advertise like yeah we have the loser it's <laughs> who's, the, loser's <laughs> who's the second biggest sports star tommy lasorda <laughs> <laughs> well that's why they get evander holyfield for the next genesis box they used game. to call him fat so now they just call him stinky <laughs> now with the bill bixby thing was that yes. a team up with any other superhero when the hulk uh, died was that a thor or a daredevil or something I like that or just be- was he on his own i do believe Death had no guest character in it. Daredevil was in trial, and I believe the TV movie before that had uh, Thor in it. Or Thor might be in the Death of Incredible Hulk. But I, as I recall reading once upon a time, they originally considered it as like a stealth pilot for a She-Hulk uh, show. Oh, okay. Uh, but then uh, that just isn't in there, and so they they simply kill him off. He dies at the end. But in a very, you know, Spock, Star Trek 2 kind of way that they they knew they could bring him back if they wanted to in a future one. But unfortunately, he'd never play David Banner again, I believe was the name of him in the <laughs> could show. Could not say Bruce on TV until 1992. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely right. Yeah, that was one of the weirdest things when, when they did the Hulk, sorry, just being a nerd off the top. Mm. When they did the uh, Hulk uh, Batman comic book crossover and just had two, two heroes named Bruce. It's oh, like, yeah. oh, that's odd. <laughs> that is one of my all-time favorite DC Marvel crossovers because 
Just the art in it. The art mm-hmm. in it by uh, Jose Garcia Lopez. One of the best drawings. Like his Batman is the perfect Batman to me. More so than Neil Adams. I think his Batman is the perfect Batman. Agreed. <laughs> and that Wayne's World Aerosmith sketch. I think that's when Wayne's World like truly arrived as the big sketch on the show because like this was where the guests were playing along with them and it was remember it's tom hanks testing it before and like sibilance that's sibilance. right <laughs> and uh, but still two years before the movie right yes 92 yeah. i i wonder after that they're like oh this this is going to be a movie like now that we've seen how the kids react to this it's going to be a movie yeah w- w- wayne is a weird character in canada in that he started <laughs> off as a canadian character and was clearly canadian there's nothing not canadian about him from his love of hockey to everything else and his accent and then they had to make him american for the uh, for the movie and we're like he's not american this is all a lie it's a dirty lie but uh, but, we still, but we still like him every everything about his hair and the hat and his accent everything he is fully the canadian mm-hmm. version of the rock fan like Garth is much more of the Californian rock fan, yes. I think. That's yeah. true, yeah. But they, they're so great together, even though, I mean, it is, it's rightly called Wayne's World because Wayne kind of drives everything, and Garth is just this, like, silly sidekick. That's true. But I want to reboot, uh, see what they're doing today. <laughs> uh, God, they, they they appear in those wigs every now and then. They, oh, yeah. They for the 45th anniversary, was it? Something recently, yeah. Yeah, well, I do remember at the uh, the Oscars the year before, they weren't in costume, but they presented some award. Or, no, they, they presented the Bohemian Rhapsody nomination section, and they did some quotes. That still was like, well, you guys are old. I, this makes me sad because it makes me know I'm old. I don't like this. If they were brought back, they'd be canceled for their homo says what routine. <laughs> That's true. That's true. They need Not to cool. evolve. They need to evolve. How dare you, past. <laughs> past. Yeah. But yes, hey, by the way, our guest, Ian Boothby, welcome back. Yes, Ian Boothby. Oh, great to be here. Of the podcast uh, Sneaky Dragon and also of the upcoming book Sparks Double Dog Dare. He's the writer of that book. Nina Matsumoto, former guest of the show, I guess current guest of the show. We haven't written her off yet. <laughs> she is the artist. And uh, Dave Dedrick, uh, another guest of the show, is the colorist. So mm. we've had all of the Sneaky Dragon crew and Sparks crew on our podcast. It's also fun to have you on here, Ian, again, because uh, this isn't about age shaming or ageism. <laughs> it's, but but Bob and I were... And yet. You know, sorry. Uh, but I was going to say just that, you know, Bob and I were... were children like barely in elementary school when this series came out you're you're a little older than us so mm-hmm. i was curious about uh, you know the perception of of the original bart mania from somebody who wasn't in the exact bart demographic of uh, season one well i was a big fan of life in hell and mm. uh and matt Groening's work before the simpsons so i was just thrilled that anything of his was getting on television then 1990 i took a bus and i don't recommend this from vancouver to new york oh that sounds bad oh yeah my. with very few stops by the time i got there i was loopy uh, and by the time i got have... there bart fever had kind of taken over like uh-huh. it did it wasn't there when i started the trip <laughs> but it was there when i got there and Three when i got to new york there was, yeah there was bart shirts everywhere and i was like oh my gosh i've got to get one of these because these won't be around for long and uh, so i bought a couple of things and then yeah that was <laughs> that was the start of it and it was it was just amazing this obscure cartoonist that i 
I was a huge fan of had a TV show, and now everyone seemed to like it. It was it was just very <laughs> strange. It was like your most indie band possible all of a sudden becomes the most popular band in the world. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to think of a comparison of something that big going from indie to popular that quickly. Yeah, right. And America to me there was very Reagan before then. It was rah rah, you know, country, uh, hooray, we're the best, we're the best. And this was a comic strip that later became a TV show that went, maybe we're not, maybe things are all messed up. And uh, and people got on board with it. And, and again, it was like, oh, this, it was a real uh, paradigm shift in, uh, in comedy in, in a very similar way to how Letterman changed talk shows. Mm. This really just changed comedy to the point where I, Disney cartoons became funny afterwards. And they were never really funny for like <laughs> years and years and years before then. That's true. So they wait until the 90s for the first yeah. funny Disney cartoon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the Aladdin is so much more postmodern than even like Beauty and the Beast before it in a Simpsons winking kind of way, for sure. And yeah. also thinking like TV cartoons like Darkwing Duck was just oh, like, yeah. oh, here's a fun comedy that's like fourth wall breaking mm-hmm. and uh, very clever. Ian, I think you're making the argument that Simpsons kind of paved the way for uh, the Clinton era and, and ending the Reagan years? Uh, for acceptance of saxophones, yeah, I guess so, sure. <laughs> oh, that's true. Loosening all of our morals. Uh, this is a completely side thing, but like, I watched the the opening, uh, and I don't normally, I skip over the openings usually, and maybe you've talked about this, but Lisa coming home clearly has a banjo case, right? The, the case that she's got is in no way a saxophone case. A saxophone would in no way fit in that case. What's with that? You're right about that. Mm, yeah. I guess she's just uh, multi-talented at, at music instruments <laughs> okay or maybe it's easier to draw a, ba- a banjo case than it is a saxophone case but Man. just watching it was like oh wait i never noticed that before but this is completely wrong it's a cool little bit of animation that yeah. they uh, lost is. after this season yeah i i wish well i can see even though it was great animation that's sad to lose it some of the best like as far as the craft of animation, some of the best animation in the whole opening. But I think if they had the choice of like, well, no, the camera's going to pan in the season two and onward opening, the camera's going to pan over all the people of Springfield going in this direction. So the shot of Lisa that pans from the opposite direction, it doesn't really work with it. So they just have to drop it, which yeah, it is. It's a sad, it's uh, the thing I miss the most about the season one opening, aside from like future Bart at the bus stop. Yeah. A lot of future parts oh, yeah. and leases hanging out together. <laughs> but going going to yeah. your uh, question about what it was like being in the beginning of Bartmania, I would I would compare it to uh, Beatlemania in that the Beatles were really good when they started, but then they got amazing and very mm. experimental, and then just kept changing and changing and evolving and getting better and better in such a short period of time. And then they stopped, and The Simpsons didn't stop, and it's gone on to be other things for better or worse. But I, I, I find I find that's what it's like. It's odd that something is so popular and so good and at the same time evolving constantly and everyone just completely at the best uh, at the best they'll ever be. That's a really good comparison. Yeah, mm-hmm. I never I never considered that. That yeah, that this is I guess what their hold your hand. I suppose is this episode equivalent for Beatles. Yeah, I guess you I go get... from their early very teeny bopper stuff to just just amazing you know experimental work and just great song after great song and every album being really really different. And the only other thing I can think that evolved so quickly was The Simpsons. Well, yeah, um, the Beatles started by doing a bunch of covers in America, mm. at least. And uh, the like doing a camping episode on a sitcom is kind of like doing a cover. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it did. They've been done a bit before. Yeah. And there's a funny bit on the commentary where Reese just says, like, every animated series.
series does a camping episode right around the seventh or eighth episode. We're like, we got to get these characters <laughs> somewhere new. We got to do something different. And uh, I, you, looking back on it as I was doing like the background research on this episode, I think this was like the most profitable episode or one of the most like influential on merchandise and, and the selling of the simpsons and video games at least yeah. one video game mm-hmm. in particular this was a big big one for the series uh and uh, with clips it got replayed the most like this is i wouldn't call it the it's close to what i think is the best episode of season one but i think it is maybe the most memorable or had the biggest mm. kind of impact i think i definitely say that it has the best scene of uh of season one for sure mm-hmm. which we can get to when we get when we get to it but it's it's one of those it's one of those scenes that you go only this show could do it <laughs> and that's an important thing to me i'm watching um oh i'm trying to think what it's called is it called dylantown or something there's a new duncanville duncanville, duncanville. that's right i watched duncanville and it's and it's absolutely fine with very talented people. The animation is great, and I don't see a point that it's on the air. Like I see it, and I go like, "This is this is fine," but it's there's no reason for it. It's not doing anything new. Mm-hmm. It's just very good, high quality animation. It's fine. <laughs> and there's a scene in this that that I looked and went like, "Oh, no other TV show could do this," and that's the reason this show should exist. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it, it, it's the only show that could do this type of comedy. Uh, you know, a live show couldn't do it. A uh, Saturday morning show couldn't do it. Only this show could do it. And uh, it kind of, for me, defined why uh, why The Simpsons was The Simpsons. But again, <laughs> we'll get to that when we get to it. In your time as a, uh, you also have written a lot of Simpsons comics, if new listeners mm-hmm. don't know that, at the uh, now no longer with us Bongo Comics. Uh, did you ever touch on this camping episode or reference to it in your time there? No, I don't think that, that we did. I think I have such traumatic memories of... Uh, playing the bear level of the Simpsons arcade game <laughs> mm. that I, I just didn't want to go back to it. That bear was incredibly hard to, to beat in the game. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like uh, they'd already covered uh, the great outdoors. So the big trick with doing the comic was what hasn't the Simpsons done yet and trying to find that and, and, and going for those, going for those stories. So this, I, I, di- I never really did a, an outdoorsy one. The merchandise thing I, I was talking about, one of the big ones was that this episode and this episode specifically were used for a, Burger King Kids Club toy set. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was going to bring mine, but I forgot. But it's they're okay. in my apartment. You can see them whenever you want, Henry. Uh, but, well, uh, I'll, look at, I'll stare at them the next time I'm uh, bird sitting. But, uh, yeah, they're based on, like, the outfits they're wearing. And they're, like, little vignettes. Bart is carrying a ton of things. Marge is, is like, looking at, a, at, like, a bird-watching guy. And there are birds in her hair. But yes. they were meant to come with these little cardboard standees you put behind them. But those all disintegrated, like, instantly. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like how the... Right before these toys at Burger King, there were the dolls you'd get. You'd buy mini yeah. muffins, and then for three forty nine, you could get a Simpsons I have one doll of, with it. I have the Bart. I got that at a flea market like twelve years ago. <laughs> but they they <laughs> all came with paper like accessories of like Lisa with her sacks. But those are never with them anymore either because again, they just all fall apart. They're so cheaply made. I have a distinct memory of how I got mine. We went to Burger King. Uh, my mom brought me and my sister and her friend and my <laughs> sister's friend and myself. We both got Happy Meals or kids. Meals? Kids, kids meals kids club the kids, right. kids we, club, we were yeah. in the kids club uh, we we presented our cards and got in <laughs> and then we ordered the the kids meal i got the bart one i was ecstatic like oh man i got bart i'm so lucky he got marge and he was like do, do you just want this <laughs> and i was like yeah i'll take it he did he did not want marge at all 
Jeez, and how sexist. Yeah. That's yeah. I got Mr. Largo. All right, <laughs> fine. Uh, he, he's somewhere in the background in this camping episode. Find him. I collected all of these, but I should tell you guys that my mom loved collecting Happy Meal toys even more than me. So I had every Happy Meal toy, pretty much. She'd, uh, she would go on lunch breaks at her work and go to McDonald's and buy Happy Meals until she got every figure from a wow. set of them, and she'd have many duplicates. I, I look back on this and realize she had an obsession with Happy Meal toys. That's cool, though. I mean, yeah. are they still in, like, a vault somewhere? You know, they must be somewhere in my stepdad and her's home, but I, I haven't seen them. She's, hmm. she, in my teens, she joked that this is your inheritance, is these, <laughs> are these sealed Happy Meal toys. But Happy Meal, so I was, even as a six-year-old, very closely knew Happy Meal meal toys and and the competition from burger king and so these were some of the first burger king attempts at copying happy meals like burger king had done i don't know if you guys remember the crayola bears you could get those oh, were yeah. highly collectible okay, yeah. Yeah, this was the first of the 90s i was looking at a wiki trying to pin down the date of when burger king launched these toys uh and i could not find anything more specific than 1990 i think late 1990 it felt but- like a summer <laughs> thing to me i remember it being a summer memory for me okay i but but uh, on the wiki it did say that like these were the first toys of kids club like they started oh. with a bang Wow. with the Simpsons. That's, that's a good get. I think they Simpsons toys wouldn't return to Burger King until 07 with those amazing Treehouse, Treehouse of Horror, horror yeah. scenes. Yeah, I love those. What, uh, what season did these toys come out in? Was uh, this second season? It'd be third? the summer before season two then on yeah. the timeline. Yeah. Oh, because it's a real risk if you're going like, hey, Burger King, for the kids things, do you want this spinoff of the Tracy Ullman show? <laughs> it's our interstitials, you know, just <laughs> these weird, bizarre, you know, that's for kids, right? Like, no kids are watching the tracy ellman show so there had to be a point where they went oh no kids yes they will be in on this but at what point would they know that kids would be down with the simpsons it's a it's an odd connection when you look back at what it what it originally was yeah who knows when they actually had to you know uh, put that in their in the burger king schedule (laughs) because uh you know you have to have like factories in china make the things you have to mold them Mm -hmm. i know that uh, based on like video game research the reason sonic the hedgehog uh, 3 came out when it did unfinished is because there was a happy meal toy Ah. uh, plan in the books and they had to get it out for that toy plan Mm, yeah the happy meals were the some of the most powerful marketing you could have for something. Yeah. A couple years after this, it was a huge get that Burger King got the Disney license from Happy Meals and mm. they did Aladdin toys like which right. uh, Robin Williams was not happy about but that's a story for another day. <laughs> that's true but I will tell everyone out there if you want to get these uh, fortunately they're super easy to they're find everywhere. because they made 200 million of them yes, yeah. and uh, I mean even you can even find them with the cardboard packaging they'll cost a little more but you could probably get all of them for like 20 bucks or less. I, I, I want to complete my set honestly. I was pricing them out I saw like you on eBay you could get a five dollar set but it had no maggie but other than that full full set and there were also four collectible cups with scenes from the episodes on them you as well. will get leukemia <laughs> if you drink from them now though unfortunately uh, you know i didn't have those cups though i prized my pizza hut garfield collectible cups mm. which were also plastic and bad and i shouldn't have been drinking from them no that that's the old plastic that would break down and get into your bloodstream yeah. right yeah <laughs> i much preferred the glass cups that were like the batman forever cups for 
Ultra mm, glasses. Yeah. That, yeah, Lead those. for me. <laughs> uh, but I do have the original commercial here. Ooh, I want to hear it. it. Uh, so mm-hmm. the original commercial was a 30-second one, but the first 10 seconds was just a general Burger King Kids Club thing of all our fun uh, friends of KidVid and the one in the wheelchair and the basketball Wheels. kid. We, His sorry, name was Wheels. Sorry. It's very inappropriate. Uh, yes. But after that, we then got this commercial. Look out, nature dudes. We're coming. Burger King's taking Homer, Marge, and all the Simpsons camping, including you-know-who. Ah! Now you can get one Simpsons character and camping scene in every kids' club meal at Burger King. The Burger King Kids Club, just for fun, just for you. I'm impressed they got Nancy to say like two lines or one line pretty much. The thing you didn't get visually there is when they said, and guess who? It's Bart when they say that. They're they're pumping up Bart as they know the most popular (laughs) character. And (laughs) and when they say, guess who? And they zoom in on the toy of Bart, then they have stock footage of wildebeests running away in fear. I see. Uh, And these toys do not move or do anything. No. molded plastic that are hollow inside i remember taking them in the bathtub a lot yeah you know me too but that's probably what uh, i think i remember the paint really falling off my marge the birds in marge's hair were the first to go Mm. i think on my figures as i recall i like guess who and it's and it's bart it's like yeah and we got the x-men and guess who wolverine yeah it's yeah it's wolverine you're wrong it's mr dandy (laughs) and yes also this episode was so popular it was also the basis of the uh woods level in arcade game that came out about uh a little over a year after this came out yeah 91 uh like a spring of 91 something like that yeah Yeah. and fun interesting fact when you fight the bear at the end a bear at the end and then when you defeat the bear it turns out it was just like two of the bigger enemy guys Mm -hmm. Um, i love that that it's a weird reveal but i like it that feels totally like a graining note that he's like i don't want you to beat a bear to death in this game (laughs) and then uh when you win the level you all go over a uh, waterfall and then Mm -hmm. the next level is the dream level which is really cool where where they're all in like a jacob's ladder type uh death dream (laughs) and you you die in the dream you die in real life just (laughs) standard rules that uh yes game is so good (laughs) so seeing this bit i think that's why maybe i didn't watch this one a ton in reruns either because it was just like so overplayed and i had it all memorized i i i didn't watch this one too much well honestly in syndication reruns if it was a season one i'd probably just watch a tool time a home improvement i only (laughs) watch the tool time segments it's very Uh, difficult well for that pam anderson meow Mm. (laughs) i'm kidding i of course kidding (laughs) Uh, for that al borland and he's in every season anyway a little something for everybody in that show uh, and I guess last like pre-chat uh, thing, we've covered already the writer, Schwarzwelder in previous episodes, and the director, Wes Archer. On the commentary, they bring up that like this sounded even crazier, the original script. The, like G- James L. Brooks pitched it as a camping episode where Homer is held captive by a giant eagle who like feeds him. Oh, wow. <laughs> but that, that script is not on the, uh, the no, disc. No, no. I wish they were all on the disc. We learned so yeah. much from those recently. Uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll spoil future podcasts for you listeners. But unfortunately, on the season one DVDs, there's only one more script for an episode we haven't talked about yet, and that's some enchanted evening. I thought so. so yeah, you'll mm. you'll be able to hear the differences then. But unfortunately, in this case, no. Which is too bad because the way they talk about the ending on the commentary too, like Mike Reese is like, I'm surprised by this. I don't remember this. 
So I'd, I'd love to see the differences. But yeah, I think, you know, we talked about part of the general with Schwarzwelder and how wacky that one is. This is like 10 times wackier. Like this is Looney Tunes in parts here. I think this is yeah, really... Like going over cliffs, like characters falling off cliffs. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> now, Homer, I, I mean, the insane ending too. This, I think, is a lot of what defines Schwarzwelder's take on Homer. And uh, I did also, lastly, in the credits, want to shout out only one credited storyboarder on this, future Simpsons director Stephen Dean Moore. Wow, that's a lot of work. If we have, when we have, David Silverman back someday, (laughs) I'm going to ask him, like, I'm used to today 11-minute cartoons get two storyboarders. Were these shows really... For 22 minutes, one storyboarder, that that because that sounds like an impossible task. It really does. Yeah. The Simpsons will be right back. Sunday, the Simpsons hit the open road. I don't want to go. That's the spirit. And if you thought spending a night at home with them is funny... Wait till you spend a night in the woods. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Ah! Go camping with the Simpsons. Big thank you to our guest this week, Ian Boothby. We always love having him back, and everybody should give a listen to his podcast, Sneaky Dragon, as well as reading his comics, Sparks and Exosisters. Both a ton of fun. You should really give them a read. This podcast, by the way, is brought to you by our Patreon. Me and Bob are able to do this full-time thanks to the support of Patreon supporters who are just like you. They enjoy this podcast, but they get to hear every episode a week ahead of time and ad-free of Talking Simpsons. The same goes for our sister podcast, What a Cartoon, where we talk about a different animated series each week. You can get all that for five bucks a month at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. Beyond that, you get access to our entire back catalog of Patreon-exclusive content, including our recent interview with Jay Kogan telling us about the first season fun that he had back in 1989. Also, our exclusive miniseries covering shows like The Critic, King of the Hill, Futurama, and soon another season of our miniseries is coming your way on the Patreon. And you can only hear those in full at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. But if you're the type of person who can afford an ultimate behemoth, then it's time for you to sign up at the $10 level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. That exclusive level of our podcast gives you all that $5 a month stuff. Plus our monthly What a Cartoon Movie podcast where we talk about a different animated feature film once a month. Movies like SpongeBob SquarePants the movie, The Grey Mouse Detective, Iron Giant, Toy Story, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, Kiki's Delivery Service, Akira, Cowboy Bebop the movie, Beavis and Butthead to America, and so many more. You can hear the full 50-hour backlog already that we've done of the What A Cartoon Movie podcast if you're a $10 and up subscriber at patreon.com slash talkingsimpsons. So please, sign up today! (laughs) 
Uh, but I guess why don't we begin the episode uh, that the opening one? I don't like that chalkboard gag. I I don't like that Bart draws naked ladies in class. I feel like the character Bart should be more innocent. He's than not that. sexualized. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't like that. No, but I guess you know they're still figuring out who the character of Bart is and. Uh, some 10 year old boys I guess draw naked ladies so sure fine it also seems like the kind of thing a kid actually would do in class to get in trouble for real yeah that's true it's not really a joke it's just (laughs) yeah this is what a, a kid would do and be in trouble for the end and, okay. and honestly, I think it's kind of funny that the opening has a non-gag of like, and then they sat down on the couch. <laughs> I thought I was like, is the joke that the couch is kind of small for all of them? But not really. Mm, no. I guess it could be a little of squeezing into the couch, perhaps. So we've talked about production order a lot on this uh, revisiting of season one. This is the first one in production order that follows the Christmas episode. Yeah. yeah. So technically, the Christmas episode was the debut of Flanders. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, makes this his second appearance when they really... I feel like once they did the Christmas one, they were like, oh, we like this Flanders guy. We're going to be using this neighbor a lot. So they use him in the immediate next one. Oh, you know what? Though, I... Don't recall that he has a line, but he does appear in the crowd shots in Telltale Head, Mm. which is before the Christmas special in uh, release order. So... Hmm. Yeah, I, I guess I would count that, but it's uh, it's it's a weird, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. I believe Ian, you've worked with the uh, the designer of Flanders, Phil Ortiz, have you not? Yeah, we did a couple of comics together. He's great. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it, it, yeah, really good designer and a, an amazing artist. Yeah, it's weird seeing someone who made a character that's so historic. <laughs> Though this is the first appearance of Rod Flanders. Uh, it, mm. This is distinctly Rod and not Todd, the smaller. In design, he's a smaller boy. Rod, a uh, Todd is in the Christmas special. So this is Rod. He's in his blue shirt and everything. So. But over time, they'll both be very infantilized. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. I mean, uh, some of the cruelest jokes are done at their expense. I think, <laughs> especially after they kill their mother. <laughs> but so when you look at uh, how they behave in these early episodes, they deserve it. <laughs> They're yeah. real jerks, right? Like it would be easy for Rod to just go, "Hey, you want to borrow the lawn?" mower or mm. i'll do it for you in five minutes his, while you're struggling his his hot enough for you is a jerk line that's true mm-hmm. same with uh todd's like you forgot your pork chop that's mean that's not nice i guess their only uh identity in the series so far is like look what they have the simpsons don't have mm-hmm. so uh i'll get to it when we get to it but i think there's a telling moment that is the turn on the character oh, me of too, flanders yeah. yeah we we all noticed it yeah the simpsons are coveting the flanders in this first clip county bar is hot enough for you Shut up, Flanders. Hey, Dad, how come we can't get a decent mower like the Flanders have? Just be happy with what you've got, son. Don't try to keep up with the Flanderses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 How do you like my new wheels, Simpson? Oh, wow, man. What an RV. Bart! Uh, I suppose it has uh, various features. Oh, it's got everything. Microwave, dishwasher, big screen TV, deep fryer, and... Oh, see up there on the roof? <gasps> A satellite dish. Yes, indeedly doodly. But 
uh, how can you afford something like this, Ned? I get your mail once in a while, and you make only $27 a week more than I do. Oh, it's simple, Simpson. Credit. Ooh, credit. <laughs> Homer didn't realize that you could spend into debt with credit. And that's the first <laughs> appearance of Flanders RV, which yes. would come back in uh, Lemon of Troy. They remembered he had one. That's what they used <laughs> yeah. to rescue the kids. They even remember the friar. That's like, true, yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Although, yeah. I think it was uh, more of a rotisserie uh, cooker uh, yeah, in that I one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but when you go yeah. into the uh, into the RV that uh, Bob has later, you can see the four deep fryers. Yes, yeah, it's great design. I, and Phil Ortiz is a background designer credited on this, so maybe that was his work. I, I'm not sure, but it was really good. It's weird seeing Homer, uh, like everyone is opposite of what their characters would be later on. Like uh, Ned is selfish and kind of uh, braggadocious, and 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 Homer is a conformist <laughs> who just you know wants to be normal and have everything be normal instead of yeah. the extreme character he would become later. Everyone's everyone's uh, exactly the opposite of what they would be like five seasons later. No, I, this keeping up with the Joneses thing is so unHomer to me now. Yeah. yeah. It, it, in, it implies a certain level of Homer understanding his stature and what wishing to be above it. That is like Homer doesn't have the capacity to think of that normally, I think. Yeah. And then, and then Ned's giving him very bad advice, Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. that he's get, got all this on credit. We learn later on, there's no way Homer could have, afford this which means there's no way ned could afford this which means ned's heading for trouble himself <laughs> although ned probably has better credit that's true probably yeah. got a better like interest rate or something <laughs> yeah. on that or better uh, monthly rate on it it's uh yeah i did the math on the uh 27 a week more than i do which means $1,404 more a year, which in $1990, according to an inflation calculator I used, goes to $2,780 a year more. Mm. So not too big a difference between them. And as we all know, at this time in the series, Flanders is a pharmacy rep, not a leftorium. That's right. I imagine his uh, income went way up after that opened. (laughs) Well, it went pretty low at one point, but then once, uh, you know, he, Homer saved the day, that uh, it's been going up ever since. It feels like Flanders got a side hustle going on with something. <laughs> there's, there's something going on because he's able to get, you know, if you, if you look at Flanders, you go, he's able to afford the RV. I get credit, but credit only goes so far. He's got the lawnmower. He's got this. He's got the fa- everything fancy in the basement. Like he's selling some drugs on the side. There's something <laughs> he's got going on. You know, which is, you know, you know how you play this. The straight guy is always going to be the breaking bad guy later on. <laughs> you know, as a pharmacy rep, he would have access to a lot of stuff he can I know. sell. Later, he opens a uh, Christian hook rug uh, store yeah, on the internet. So that's right. maybe he's selling those, you know, just out of his basement Internet-y. now. Internet, <laughs> eh? Uh, yeah, the I also saw the RV was apparently mentioned in Grift of the Magi. Like, he mm. suggests, oh, we could use my RV. That's uh, I, I looked in on the Simpsons wiki more than I normally do. Or like, hey, did this character ever come back? or where this character come from and yes ned's rv the only other reference on the wiki is, other than lemon of troy is that he said wow. mentions it in grift of the magi you know my stepdad he has an rv or had one i think he eventually he just uh wasn't camping as much as he used to so he sold it off but he used to be one of those people who you know had a big front lawn and with a big rv in the front of it was there like a late 80s early 90s fascination with the rv because they were in so much media we just did a goop troop goop troop excuse me goof troop <laughs> for what a cartoon and pete 
uh, operates a used RV dealership. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. like, I don't know why RVs are very much in the uh, the zeitgeist around this time. They weren't a new invention by any means, but who I knows? think I think what happened was. People back in the day, day like in the seventies and sixties, could afford a house on a regular salary. You could buy a house, and then I think when you got eighties, nineties, you couldn't really afford a house, like without <laughs> you know having very good credit or, or what have you. But you could afford an RV, so it kind of went to the luxury thing that you could afford and and have fun with was was that, mm. and so that became kind of a thing. If you were a lower middle class, you could. You could uh, imagine yourself in one of those realistically, whereas a house was getting just to be like a little bit of a pipe dream. I, I do have childhood memories of like friends of the family. They had RVs or they were showing off like, oh, look at this RV. And I mean, to me as a child, the idea of your car also being your home seemed really cool. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, still kind of. I think yeah. it's cool. But then well, I'm, man, I'm the much bigger now. Though, that, <laughs> yeah. uh, also, I... I hate driving. I am so happy I haven't driven in a car in uh, 14 years now. Uh, and the idea of driving, I felt enough pressure driving a compact car to be driving this like thing that fills an entire lane full of like shit. I, <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine it. The, the pressure, oh, it's too much for me. Now, had, was Flanders RV, did that appear in any of the Simpsons video games? Mm, oh, boy. Not, I didn't see that on the wiki. I don't yeah. think so. It, it's kind of rare when Flanders even appears in the, I think, by the time. Like any of the driving games, like Hit and Run or whatever. It feels like the Behemoth mm. would be like a really good vehicle to, to, to have in one of those. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't see that on the wiki. I don't. In Hit and Run, I feel like by that time. The behemoth was so in the past that, like, mm. if you're going to do a Flanders car, it's the Geo, you know? Yeah, I guess there's nothing very uh, visually distinct about it other than the fact that it's big, yeah. too. Yeah. Also, I was thinking this opening scene with the lawnmowers. It's like they just fully use this as a jumping off point for the the big Homer Flanders episode in oh, season yeah, two. That's right. And, uh, and so, yes, Homer heads off to uh, buy an RV. And uh, boy, oh boy, do we get a big scene here that kind of takes over the whole show, pretty much. Yes, uh, guest star A. Brooks. Yes. What's the A, a stand for? <laughs> we still don't know. <laughs> we've we've talked about him before and uh, still with us today at age 72. Wow. Wishing him well. He uh, Sadly, his brother passed away uh, not too long Bob ago. Bob Einstein, because yeah. his real name is Albert Einstein. Yeah. <laughs> uh, interesting fact for people whose parents hate them. I've... I've just been reminded of it by, uh, I grew up loving Super Dave Osborne, which is who Bob Einstein played. Yeah, me, oh, me too. That's how I know him. And then like uh, when I watched Curb Your Enthusiasm, I'm like, it's Super Dave. <laughs> Super Dave's yeah. on TV again. Well, and so there's a new season of Curb, and they just say that his character is moved to China or something. They don't, they didn't kill off his character in the show. One of so. the greatest voices. I don't know how he got it, but uh, Larry, yes, Larry. Bob Einstein's voice is uh, like, uh, I mourn the loss of any famous Bob. <laughs> He's your one day I will be the last one. <laughs> he had a very funny character on the Smothers Brothers uh, TV show, which I don't remember firsthand. I'm not that old, but <laughs> it was a police officer that would like stop scenes almost Python like. Like you'd have Liberace uh, playing the piano, and then he'd pull up in a motorcycle and just going going a little fast, huh? And just pull him over, write <laughs> oh, him a ticket funny. for going too fast on the piano. Yeah. I wanted to go over uh, Albert Brooks's appearances real yeah, quick on the yeah. show because you know what. <laughs> He is so associated with The Simpsons, but he's had like five roles on the show in like 30 years. So he appears twice in this season. So once as uh, 
Bob, Cowboy Bob. One says uh, Jacques, the bowling instructor. And then four years later, season five, he's Brad Goodman. Mm. Uh, three years later, season eight, he is uh, Hank Scorpio. Woo! And then you got to wait eight more years to season Jeepers. 16. Uh, he plays a character named Tab Spangler in The Heartbroke Kid. Oh, um, ugh, yeah, I remember that. I one. did like that episode, though. Uh, it's, well, okay, yeah. Maybe it's better. My favorite than I quote from that from him is like, all signs are wrong. Okay, yes. <laughs> okay there is good stuff in there. That, yeah. that name of it just reminded me. Like, oh, wasn't that like a heavy film parody one? Again, uh, it's it's one where Bart had to lose weight. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, okay. He played Hank Scorpio in an opening gag in a season twenty-two episode called Five Hundred Keys. Uh, but that's basically mm. it. Like, I think he flies a plane into the screen. He's like, it was either this or a Porsche or something like that. <laughs> uh, he played a character named Doctor Ralph Bold in the episode <laughs> Bull E. Season 26, which I haven't seen. And then also we have uh, Russ Cargill in the Simpsons movie. So you know what? Not a lot of roles for him. Yeah. Like every eight years, we're like, let's get him back. I I love that he was such a major part of the film as Russ Cargill. And he has a lot of fun. His, his improv in that movie is some of the funniest lines in the movie. Though, obviously, we've opined about this before. Russ Cargill should just be Hank, Hank Scorpio. Scorpio yeah. he, he, in function, he is Hank Scorpio. Uh, what and w- what would be the difference of him being Hank Scorpio or not to new viewers? What, what the, I don't need to relitigate this anymore. <laughs> and just like in uh, Bart's Inner Child, Marge's story is cut out so he could ad lib more. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> or sorry, Bart's Inner Child, which was yeah. a Marge story until uh, Brad Goodman showed up. <laughs> Albert Brooks. This was their first time using him in his. I mean, he's just such a great comedy. Inter- I mean, he's a comedy genius in general. His mm-hmm. films are great. He's a great actor when he appears in things. His improv improvisation is amazing and uh like i'm shocked he's not a cartoon voice more like he's famous as um nemo's dad uh oh you're right what's his name Blimo. <laughs> Ollie. Yeah. i only wrote the uh, disneyland ride that sucks <laughs> okay well he's really good in that movie and yet i can't remember his name there's dory and Finn? No. I don't not. think he needs to have a name. He's yeah. a fish. Why does he need a name? <laughs> What's he got? ID? Like, he's going to rent a car? Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Nemo's dad. That's fine. <laughs> That's his name. Has Albert Brooks, uh, any of his characters, ever met any of his other characters? Because they do that a lot with John Lovitz, where you get a bunch of the John Lovitz characters in a room together on The Simpsons. And No, in know. fact, uh, I don't think he's been on enough for that to happen. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't believe they have. You know, that timeline you mentioned there, that... That totally makes me feel like that in season 16, they had done enough of these commentaries that Gene, as showrunner, was like, whoa, Albert Brooks is great. Why? We got to bring this guy back. Why don't we do that? Like, It's really good that he did, too. The, and uh, yeah, if you want to see a great Albert Brooks movie, I think Defending Your Life is my favorite of his. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really great imagining of the afterlife and what it could be like and how you have to you know, defend every choice you made in your life, like by watching it replayed to you uh, in front of uh, either angels or the, you know, sentient beings that exist in a realm beyond your understanding. No, you're right, Henry. I think the uh, Al Jean's take over the show again in the 21st century. I think his first like five or six seasons were totally inspired by him sitting down to watch all the episodes again, because you see the return of so many characters. And Cowboy Bob came back in season 16 episode uh, Mobile Homer, 
but he is redesigned so he looks like a modern character <laughs> and also voiced by Dan Castellaneta. Yeah, I, I watched just that scene. I pulled it up on the incredibly convenient Disney Plus app, only six ninety nine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I watched that scene. I did like the gag that Lisa and Bart were driving to the RV place and they knew where it was because of the giant inflatable gorilla over it, oh, yeah. which would only be at an RV shop. But yeah, it's very, it's very weird that he... Just make up a new RV guy if he can't get Albert back for like one line. It was nice to see him, although he is unrecognizable without the uh, non-Simpsons square teeth and the giant ears. (laughs) Also, it's unfortunate on the DVD extras, they do have cut lines from Jacques that uh, that they didn't use, but they didn't have any saved from his performance as Cowboy Bob. And they always say there's like... 800 great line reads he gives and just over improvises and it leaves them wanting to just have everything in there. That's like Hank Scorpio. uh, You hear on the commentary, like Bill and Josh were losing their minds over like, well, what do we cut? What do we cut to fit in this thing? And the answer is cut every story involving a woman. Yes. (laughs) That's always the right answer when you have uh, Albert books. I'm being facetious, of course, (laughs) but that's what happened with Marge and Lisa. That's why they don't really have stories in this episode. Something I like about Albert Brooks is he makes the other actors uh, better, which is what a good improviser does. And like if you if you listen to the the very beginning scene that we just played, it's it's all set up delivery, set up delivery, and it's all fine. It's all done comedically and, and very well. But then when you've got Albert Brooks, you can tell he's improvising. So Dan has to listen, and so Dan does little quiet things. They're like, uh huh, what, huh? <laughs> like small things that you would never write in a script. No writer would write, huh, what? Mm. Yeah, oh, you say, uh huh. Talks over, blah, nothing like that. And it just makes it so natural and it changes the rhythm up. And because it, it seems like this personal conversation, you as an audience kind of lean forward and go, what? I feel like I'm listening to something that I, you know, that, that's real. And it just uh, it just builds the comedy up and makes everyone around just so much, so much better. It's, a, it's such a different style of comedy that you don't get on television because no one does that kind of thing on television, except, you know, later on in a Curb Your Enthusiasm or something like that you know maybe but you know albert brooks just raises everyone's game mm-hmm. yeah well and dan castellanetta is such a well-trained comedic improviser mm. but it's not a skill he uses all the time on the simpsons but once albert brooks is there he's got somebody just bounce off of it's it's why a brooks most of his best scenes on the simpsons are usually talking to homer like no That's matter true, who the yeah. character right because as a writer you write homer as belligerent or dumb <laughs> but it's always broad and and albert brooks makes homer subtle and more human. <laughs> and so when he then blows up a little bit more later on, it's just, it's more effective. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it's forever defined for me by Hank Scorby saying like, get out of here, shoes. You ever see somebody yelling your own shoes before? <laughs> yes, once. Like, Dan saying yes, once like that is such a great moment. Very casually. <laughs> yeah, uh, it would never be written, but it, it, but improvised. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it was really hard to pick with clips here. Honestly, there's like three minutes of clips of just <laughs> Albert Brooks, but they're all great. Uh, so... Uh, but let's start off with the family arriving at the RV store. Thank you, God. <laughs> May I help you? Oh, we're just browsing. Thank you. I'd like to see your finest RV. Do you have something that's better than the land behemoth? Yes, we do. That would be the ultimate behemoth. Where is it? We oh. are standing in its presence. <laughs> Behold! Oh, wow. Didn't you look at this thing? This is, can you man built this? It's a vehicle. <laughs> Does it have its own satellite dish, sir? You can tell your son it has its own satellite. 
the Vanstar 1 launched last February. Just for this thing. That's all. Oh, man. I'm not sure that we can afford Does it have a deep fryer? It has four of them. One for each part of the chicken. I don't think we can afford this, Homer. Let's worry about that later. Come on, let's take a tour. Want to? Come on. Wait till Flanders gets a load of this. It all seems so expensive. Yeah, it's an interesting take on a what could be just a tired stock character like the sleazy salesman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they put Pete into in uh, uh, Goof Troop mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> uh, but he's playing him as just so like friendly. He's like, is this your family? This your... It's so funny to hand that such a stock character to Brooks and see what he can do with it. And like his, I love his delivery of seeing the suckers arrive. He's like, thank you, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and just as I even laughed, I forgot that line there. He's like, "Can you? Men built this. If it's a vehicle, can you? Like, he, it's so great." And even this early in the show, his appearance is uh, horrifying. I'll say that. Oh, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's very ugly. In fact, he only had two more appearances as a background character, once in Barkett's and F and once in When Flanders Failed. Mm, so okay. that's the only other times he showed up again ever, like even in the background. I mean, he is uh, Klasky Chupa was all get out uh, in his design. I love it, but he's, yeah, he is a wild it's, looking character. Like if you watch a scene with him and Homer talking, it's like, well, your teeth are a different shape than every other human in this world. What's happening? <laughs> Uh, and I, I love his thrown away line that he's just like, does it have a satellite dish? It launched its own satellite that speaks directly to it. The Van Star One. I, I just love that. Uh, it's it, I like how they play it that Marge is just like, please listen to me. This is too much. And Homer's like, no, no, no. I want the most expensive thing. Sell it to me right now. Uh, yeah. It's a weird choice with, with Marge. Like she is just the, uh, through the whole thing, worried about everything. Then does a real hard turn halfway through the episode and worries about nothing yeah. at all. Things that very... she really should be worrying about. She stops being the worry wart. And it's like, Lisa, things are fine. I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> she becomes too trusting. That's yeah. True. It's like, you need a scene where like, like Marge uh, eats something she shouldn't, or maybe she's out <laughs> in the woods and now she finally gets to relax for the first time in her life. And now it's like, it's all cool. <laughs> she does a, a, a huge personality turn and they don't justify it, but it's uh, it's, it's very distinct. Yeah, it's, uh, there's not much care given to the consistency nope. of Marge in this episode, no. I mean, um, I think people who work with John Swartzwelder have said that Marge was not really a priority for him in writing <laughs> scripts. So. Also, when I talk about this episode being like so influential and perfect for the merchandising of The Simpsons, Bart is so mascot here like he is such a mascotty kind of character in that he says i caramba and don't have a cow in this same episode he's like, pitching t-shirts throughout this episode <laughs> yeah they uh, even make a mention of hey there's his lucky red hat remember yeah. <laughs> he's got the, the hat that's yeah. the thing all right let you know burger king <laughs> that's how you know when it becomes a box uh, i think as a kid i didn't know that chickens were in four different parts either back then so i i learned a lot there as well is that like a scientific fact there are four parts of the chicken well i'm just talking about how you butcher that. Uh, okay. That, uh, Legs, <laughs> wings, thighs, and breasts. Uh, breasts. Oh, yeah. Henry, Look, this is a G-rated weird. podcast. 
podcast. Uh, I I always feel weird at ordering. I ask for a white meat combo. I don't like saying a breast and leg <laughs> combo when I go to a place. I don't I don't know the science of it. I just know how. Yeah, I don't want to be that. Is. So the all white combo is what I oh, want. No. Yeah. Oh no, boy! <laughs> Make my food as white as possible, please. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I need to just switch to the dark meat now, just to avoid controversy. <laughs> so yes, Homer is hook, line, and sinker on this, and he loves it so much. He asks for a price and i just love the exchange of how long he draws out telling him the price even saying like you you look you're like a god you're not roman are you no <laughs> it's that's such a great he's it's such a weird pull for him to do instead of as well how am i going to compliment him I'll say he is akin to Zeus. Like, that's how <laughs> wonderful he is. And it's all about getting him away from his family to make a decision without yeah, them. Yeah, you're right. He's It's one of these subtle, it's a more subtle thing than it seems like with the obviousness of the used car salesman kind of uh, prototype here. And you can only do this with animation, too. This under-the-breath kind of, are you with this? Like, back and forth. Like, if it was live action, it, would be, it wouldn't work. But it's almost the Popeye under-the-breath mutterings <laughs> that they're just picking up on and responding bonding back and forth and again only only with animation you can pull this off i've really only had to buy a car once and i leased it I, like my other cars when i was driving were like sort of hand-me-downs from like relatives who couldn't drive anymore like a uh, sister that got another car or something like that all i did was say okay that's the car i can buy that's the car i can lease i'm gonna have that one but he was still like doing the salesman routine on me as uh... i was like signing the papers and it was really uncomfortable because i got a uh, t- i mean it was just like a weird like kind of suv style car but because it had a french name in the bush administration no one was getting them it was a rendezvous <laughs> and he was like uh this car is gonna get you laid and i'm like i didn't respond but i was like, i'm very skeptical and it did yes. not <laughs> uh no i mean uh, this uh, that's what uh cowboy bob really profits off of here of just yeah. using masculinity against a guy i was like, i didn't uh, want to bro out about this car i did not want to lease <laughs> A man has a car, and he doesn't let a woman drive it, that's for sure. <laughs> this exchange here uh, over the credit test is quite funny, too. Like, every... every, I think this is the best interplay between uh, Brooks and uh, Castellaneta here in this next clip. I'm not going to quote you, Bryce, till I check your credit rating. And let me... I want to make myself clear on this. This is a formality. If you're saying to me, Bob, is this guy good for it? I say, yes. I don't check this machine. But I don't own the place, even though my name's up there. Long story, but that doesn't matter. I'm going to have to run it through the computer. Is, is that a good siren? Am I approved? You ever known a siren to be good? <laughs> no, Mr. Simpson, it's not. It's a bad siren. That's the computer in case I went blind telling me sell the vehicle to this fellow and you're out of business. That's what the siren says. Oh. Seems the ultimate behemoth is a wee bit out of your price range. And wee bit is me being polite. You couldn't afford this thing if you lived to be a million. Don't you have something that isn't out of my price range? I don't want to go away empty-handed, Bob. Take it easy there. Don't ruin this feeling I'm getting from you. Perhaps I can show you something. Uh, <clears throat> a little more of you. <laughs> Dan's reply of like, is that a good sign? Does that mean I passed? Like, <laughs> Uh, so good. I I also like the animation choice of starting the sales office scene with like the overhead fan shot. Mm, yeah, that's mm. true. It's a good tone setter for a, a, a sweaty office for sure. The siren on top of the machine, like that's very silly, but I I like that. I I also like 
the cowboy Bob even has an answer for like, uh, even though my name's on it, I don't own the place. Long story, <laughs> but like, uh, it's uh, and I also like that he's like, we bit is me being polite. You couldn't afford this thing if you lived to be a million. Like uh, every every line, just so great. I I think fully the con that cowboy Bob is doing is. That he shows the promise of the behemoth to a guy he knows can't afford it, mm-hmm. yeah. and and once he is defeated, he has to accept a the worst thing he can hand off to him because he can't show his family nothing. He can't yeah, leave with. He'd be nothing. a total loser. Yeah. yeah, he's nagging him pretty good here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. It's uh, these techniques. They're they're horrible, but they they work in the in the RV world anyway. Homer's masculinity is questioned so much that he must buy. Probably the worst car on the lot that he can't, uh, that Cowboy Bob can't get rid of. I have to say Cowboy Bob, just so I, I make it clear. Not Sideshow Bob. <laughs> Homer presents his uh, the new RV to the family. Well, what do you think? Mm. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Used, isn't it? What'd you say? Uh, <laughs> is it used? Simpson, you're never gonna own a better RV. And I don't mean that in a good way. I mean literally, buddy. This is it for you. you know? <laughs> it's this or a wagon. Um, uh, how much do you want for it? This is yours, a price I'm quoting you. You're not going to hand it to someone else because I'm going to give you a price for you, not for someone else. Someone else, I'm doubling this. I swear it, Bob. This is you and me. <laughs> yeah. In other words, two months from now, I see this vehicle. Your head's in that window. On my honor. Three fifty a month. Oh, well, I don't know. Would it be all right if I conferred with my family? Well, Mr. Simpson, if you have to go talk it over with those humans out there, then there's something wrong with all of us. You look like a man who is able to make a decision, or I wouldn't be wasting... See that man right over there? Yeah. He's buying this. Did you know that? No. Called me two minutes before you came in and said, save the little one. I'm coming down. Here he is. Now, you want it or not? All right. All right. I'll take it. Best decision you ever made. You are going to... This is going to change your life. <laughs> I kind of wish they would have like cut away to a guy. Oh yeah, the, the just a random person, just like, yeah, just guy walking by. Yeah, there's nothing to do. With just anything, like looking yeah. over shoulder, like what? <laughs> and and yeah, like you said, the natural feel to the dialogue, the way he goes, like you, uh, uh, yeah, this can change your life. Like that's so great. It it does remind me of how, um, like say on Rick and Morty, Justin Roiland like delivers a line, you know. It's really, it's, uh, it's so natural. I love, and I love too. The uh, Marge says, "Is it used?" He's like, "What'd you say?" Like he just completely ignores <laughs> it. Like, let's move on. Like, three fifty a month sounds pretty harsh in nineteen ninety. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. When I leased my car, it was one hundred eighty eight dollars a month. Wow, that's nobody uh, wanted a French car, yeah, the French man. sounding car. Boy, we need to go get uh, the French mad at us again, so I can get a cheap car in the future. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's weird what poor was back then. Poor represented by a person who owns their own house, mm-hmm. probably has two cars. You know, has a job. But like they're, uh, you can't afford the the way he's talking about him is just like you're ridiculously broke. You're the brokest man I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but like nothing else in his life really reflects that, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but yeah. it just was a standard comedy thing back then. Was you know if you're married with children or Roseanne or whatever, you're just you're just broke. You're just standard American broke. That's the that's the yeah. gag. I mean, I was actually thinking of Married with Children. You see the establishing shot of the Bundy home. It's like a nice two-story oh, yeah. uh, home in the suburbs <laughs> yeah. of Chicago. For a single income man yeah. who also has a wife who buys garbage off TV all the time, and that can't help him. So. Yeah, you work at a shoe store. How do you afford this? What's the story? Yeah, At least Homer's is a semi-professional job. Like, and have money for the nudie bar. Oh, yeah. And, Come all, on. The, and all those Biggins magazines. <laughs> I was thinking of Biggins. <laughs> 
well, I guess though the the joke too with him though that he has a much worse car than the Simpsons. Oh uh, yeah, the Dodge. So he's good old Dodge. But uh, now this is turning into Married with Children talk. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, it was the uh, this was the lead in the Married with Children, that's true. which was Fox's yeah. big show at the time. So yeah, putting putting them together, they were they were quite a uh, one two punch, which. Fox foolishly broke up after just like four months of it, which uh, very, very silly of them. But anyway, yeah, so they take they buy the RV. Homer wants to show it off to Flanders. And that's the moment I was talking about. That's a very big character moment from yeah, Flanders. Yeah, I, I do love it how he's just like, well, that's great. <laughs> yeah, he's I feel like it could have been played as just like, you know, the obvious thing of the sarcastic neighbor, like, oh, great car. I think you'll have a lot of fun in this. But it's so much funnier that Ned Flanders fully means that's great. Your family will have a lot of fun. He just in good faith, 100% means that if you just take away everything we know that happens to Ned Flanders after this episode, it's just such a funny turn that the yuppie next door who has been making Homer jealous legitimately is just nice to him and wishes him well yeah. in his purchase. And was not showing off his uh, material goods to rub it in his face. He just was excited <laughs> about them. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that choice. It's such a funny choice. I think without that line, Flanders would have just been more of the stock, you know, uh, richer neighbor uh stereotype but him being so nice here i do think that opens the door to him being so nice because his god tells him to (laughs) and all of the the further things we learn about flanders from then on well if he was mean here you would need comedically to have some sort of payback for him Mm -hmm. something bad would have to happen to flanders otherwise it would just feel wrong as an audience like you almost feel with the used car guy you want a little something bad to happen to him by the end like a little tag see what happened (laughs) to him he he tries to rip off the wrong guy or something something occurs it's just no consequences for the jerks yeah you know as as you as you go along (laughs) uh yeah they uh, also them in the rrv they have gone through a full costume change which I think this is the first time in the series where all the family together is in a full mm. costume change. In the Christmas episode, you know, Bart's in his cold outfit or How about, uh, uh, Homer too. No disgrace. Weren't they all in like uh, party oh, party gear or whatever? Right. Yeah, they, Homer's they, in they, that awful shirt. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, no disgrace. Well, and actually they dressed up. Okay, I'm completely <laughs> wrong. In Bart the Genius, they dressed up to go to the opera. So yeah. I am wrong. But it's an interesting costume change. Feels like for, for, the mo- for the most of the episode, or they're this or they're naked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> Though their choice on Maggie, it's like, well, it's just pink now. It's just a palette swap. Is yeah, all I did with Maggie. I don't know why she needs a pink uh, jumper or whatever. Mm, I, uh, yeah. I mean, easier to see in the woods. Uh, that's true. Yeah, and for all the good it does them later in the episode, they really do have seemingly every possession that's inside the house is in the RV with them, which makes it even more desperate that it gets destroyed too. <laughs> and so when they drive off with all their belongings in it, uh, that's when. The music throughout the whole episode comes in the the Happy Wanderer, which is uh, it's like a you think it's a like classical German folk song, but apparently it was written like in right after World War Two. Yeah, I guess the lyrics were from something from like the 18th century, but the actual tune uh, that they were set to is from like uh, post war. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's. Uh, must have been a licensed song because it has a full credit in it too. Like uh, mm. the happy um, in the credits, the Happy Wanderer by uh, Friedrich Wilhelm Muller, it's sung uh, performed by Dan Castellaneta, which I, I think that just denotes 
how early it was in the series that it, pretty soon after that, if a character sings a song they license, they don't do a film style credit for it. You know, oh. I wondered if it was something like at least in Canada when you when you have that uh, you get paid separately when you sing a song in a show mm. as opposed to the show itself. When you get royalties for uh, an appearance in a sitcom, uh, if you if you sang something in it, that's a separate um, set of royalties you get. Uh, yeah. Later on, hmm. Simpsons. Simpsons definitely has ASCAP in there for sure. Mm-hmm. The uh, that that I've I've heard them mention many times. Like, boy, I'm glad I wrote this song, this one-off song. I've gotten more royalties from it than writing the episode. I I recall that on on a couple of commentaries. A couple of things I've written that that is the same thing too. I still get paid for the songs I wrote, and oh, the nice. episodes have long since stopped making money. Yeah. Uh, on their way there, they play a, a very fun game in this next clip. Turkey fly. Nope. What are you doing back there? We're playing What's That Odor? Dad's feet? Bart! You win, Bart! Lisa! Are we there yet, Dad? I'll tell you when we get there. Go back to your smell game. Homer, I'm telling you, this is not the interstate. Maps. Shouldn't we stop somewhere and ask for directions? Don't worry, this is an all-terrain vehicle. I like that they build on it, but it is a very, like, even in 1990, familiar yeah. trope to have, like, shouldn't we ask for directions? But the family, like, driving through water was the, uh, I guess, exaggeration oh, of that. Yeah. It, it gets f- quite exaggerated after I forgot that. about that joke. Yeah. Which, uh, they didn't go this far into cartooniness until now. Yes, so, like, yeah. I don't even know what I was thinking when I was watching it as a kid. <laughs> this is so Looney Tunes, and I think it being such a popular episode is part of what gave them the permission, especially in Schwarzwelder scripts, to go so crazy in the future, even though, like, they are fighting against, I think, both the wills of Matt Groening and especially James L. Brooks were like, you can't do this cartoony stuff. And over time, they broke down the barrier. I feel like James L. Brooks was like, I don't know, uh, doing something else this week. Yeah, yeah. He was. I mean, by the time they talk about it in the Marge versus the Monorail, where they thought they couldn't get away with the teleportation of uh, Leonard Nimoy. Oh, yeah. Uh, but they were like, eh, James L. Brooks must have been out of town that week or whatever. We just got to keep it in there. <laughs> uh, one thing I want to mention about uh, Albert Brooks, uh, not not related to James L. Brooks, by the way, mm-hmm. but uh, but like two years before that, he was in broadcast news, and that was the ah, connection. Yes. So right. it was only two years before this episode. That's or right. three years, rather. Sorry. It, it was is, 87, I believe. His broadcast news co-star will be in season two of The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. The water coming in there, that's, uh, that's a fun escalation. Also talking about yeah, first in the series, that's the first Are We There Yet? Mm, okay. Which, uh, they they get to the repetition gag by the end of the episode. I wonder if this is more fun for the animators to do than an episode where you have to be in the school with infinite children and chairs and all these other things <laughs> in the background to draw. You actually get to draw, you know, the woods and trees. If it was a if it was it was a breaker, if it was a pain. Wonder. I mean, it does seem like a lot of new designs you got to invent mm-hmm. for the episode. That seems tough. But when I was looking at like uh, Homer and Bart, uh, you know, where they're just their heads are sticking up out of the water, it was like, ah, oh, that's that's a nice day of animation. <laughs> <laughs> just the faces floating. Oh, that's a good one. There, uh, someone yeah. someone was pleased. 
to be getting those scenes. Also, uh, this is the first time they do a joke about that Homer smells very bad, which mm. they just like that Homer not only is fat and stupid, but he also smells terrible. And that's part of the reason why he's mistaken for Bigfoot later. That's right. Mm. That's yeah. right. Uh, though, especially making it about his feet, I think that's too Al Bundy. It's that like, really is. That's Al's territory. They're stealing his bits. <laughs> Homer can be smelly on another body part. Thankfully, there were no hemorrhoid jokes oh, that, I, that I know of oh, with I forgot, Homer. I forgot that part of the Al yeah. Bundy gaggery. His body's falling apart, man. <laughs> It'll happen to all of us. Uh, we're we're getting probably pretty close to what Al Bundy's perceived age was on mm. the show. I think we're probably me and you. I think are older th- than he was when the series. I think started. Ed O'Neill was like thirty eight when that show started. Okay, so, me and you are yeah. getting close. My hairline's better than his, though. <laughs> <laughs> that way lies madness. Yeah, when you think of like sitcom characters and that you're older <laughs> than that, it's it just it'll drive you crazy. Don't even. I was looking at like a an old Barney Miller and just going, Am I as old as Abe? Vagoda? <laughs> I think I might be. Well, that ain't right at all. Uh, all right, well, time to die. Henry and I are older than Peg Bundy was at the start of the oh, show, God, too. So, man, I well, I saw Al Jean. Uh, he had a, a scary tweet saying like. If you take it as given that Bart was born in 1980, as was established in the episode, then he's at least 39 now, if not 40. And you probably never thought of Homer as over 40. So Bart is as old as Homer always has been on the show. Mm. So important update. Uh, yes. Ed O'Neill, Al Bundy, born in 46. He was 41 when the okay. show was on the air. All so right, we still got a little right. more time, <laughs> a, little a lot more hair to lose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and in a very cartoony choice for Schwarzwelder as the, the water starts to leak in. And then Homer, instead of uh, being more cautious as his family is scared he speeds up and just like starts uh stupidly whistling <laughs> as he makes the car go far faster in the direction of the wilderness and uh him i really love the animation on their stop right at the edge of the gorge and the reveal of it teetering like yeah. that's a really good animation mm-hmm. and by the way this gorge has a name it's not the springfield gorge from the uh bart the daredevil in season two later we hear a reporter call it tenderfoot gorge which i think <laughs> is a joke because a tenderfoot is like a beginner or a novice oh. a gorge this big wouldn't be for tenderfoots or named <laughs> okay. after a tenderfoot it'd be like named like something much more immense that, uh, I mean, that feels very Schwarzweldery too to have like a cowboy reference in there. Mm-hmm. This is, Simpsons are the only place I've ever heard the word gorge used. Actually, have you ever uh, come across a gorge in your life? I think it's just like a comedy writer uh, word for canyon. Like gorge yeah. is funnier. It, it is funnier. I, I, get you. I just wonder if I, I've never seen one in real life. I, I think I associate the word gorge with that uh, Bart the uh, sorry Bart the Daredevil. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever been. I driven by the Grand Canyon. I've not fully visited it though every time i'm in vegas i see those signs of like grand canyon helicopter tour come on Mm -hmm. like but uh (laughs) but i've been tempted but uh, yeah they i can't recall going by anything that called a canyon a gorge like it's <laughs> it's such a funny word mm-hmm. it's much even though i mean canyon has the comedy c in there too but gorge is funnier if it was cunyon it'd be funnier uh, oh, sure sure but it's not <laughs> yeah so they stop on the edge of the gorge homer tells all of them to safely leave and uh you can hear it a bit in this clip too but the animation of them zipping out as homer tells them to slow Slowly get out is pretty funny. Okay. Nobody move, nobody panic. <laughs> when I give the word, 
everyone ever so slowly open your door and slide out on the count of three, one. It also doesn't make, you know, physical sense that you would not slam the door on the car when you get out because it might make it move, but it's better for the execution of the joke to you know that they all left off screen. It really punctuates it, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a good beat. They, I mean, Homer uh, has nearly killed them, so I like that they don't respect his wishes. And they're like, no, I'm running out of this. <laughs> they're leaving second. him to die. Yeah. <laughs> well, they've already figured it out. They don't need his instruction. Yeah. Like, we need to get out of this car immediately. Uh, but Homer safely gets out, and uh, then it falls over and uh, Lisa gives a quick line in this clip that should have been in all the commercials but actually when I looked at the commercials it's not in them mm. but the Simpsons have entered the forest Oh, you're killing me, Richard Gibb. Yeah, I wanted to include that music just so we could dump on Richard Gibb again. Uh, just I'm, I'm just craving the Alf Clausen days. Uh, yeah. It's just such a different, I mean, because there were there are now like, I guess, 30 years of Alf Clausen and one year of this guy yeah. scoring the show. It just, it's so different. Like, you can hear the way he scores uh, action and comedy. It's all very different. There's a lot, like, I think there's like a lot more music. Mm-hmm. Uh, scoring things uh, often like it's two on the nose I think now this is an obvious thing but is that a Bambi reference oh the man, man has entered the forest oh yeah I guess you're right I guess so I think yeah you're right no okay I thought all right I thought I was gonna these guys are gonna make fun of me because it's so <laughs> obvious but okay good all right I'm no to, I, I'm right. just disappointed that we uh, hear the explosion but we don't see it <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. they take it a little easy there but uh, no I I could totally imagine they'd Bambi like not that Bambi isn't a reference for us but for uh, folks of Mac Raining's age, it oh, is yeah. much more memorable of a film, I think, for for his generation. So, yeah, I I, get I think that's right. I, uh, yeah, but that music that takes you to the break is just it's just funereal of just like it plays. It takes the obvious emotion and just goes with that, which like that's not a bad choice, but it's just more blatant than the Simpsons plays these kind of moments, you know? So we come back from the break. The Homer is trying to comfort his family. And this is the first time like Maggie has made a noise in the series. I, I <laughs> oh, read this in the yeah. trivia. Okay. She did make noises on the shorts, but in the series, yeah. this is the first noise Maggie has made other than the sound of uh, the pacifier. Homer is trying to comfort them. Well, now we get a chance to be real pioneers. Yes, sir. This is a real adventure. Why, I bet there are people who would trade everything they have in the world for an adventure like this. You mean like we just did? (laughs) Well, somebody help her. Look, Maggie, birdies. Oh, Homer, what are we going to do? Now, don't worry. Our situation isn't as bad as it seems. And you're forgetting... I'm an experienced woodsman. Now, you all stay here for a minute while I go over this way and try to get my bearings. (laughs) What am I going to do? I've murdered us all. I've murdered us all. (laughs) Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. So even though Marge hears that... 
throughout the rest of the episode, she's like, well, your father's an experienced woodsman after all. Like, yeah, you know, that doesn't she's make so any sense. She's so credulous. I forgot she responds to hearing that. Like, mm-hmm. That grumble yeah. makes it yeah. very clear she knows he said that. It's funny. This like, is the problem with uh, Sam Simon not liking women. Is, <laughs> is you would, if you had one woman on this, on, uh, you know, in the writing group, they would have gone, hey, how about Marge? What's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty obvious thing, but if you don't think of the women in the in the show, you don't think of them and it's true. just have them reacting and setting up the fellas and this ends up happening. And I think like if they wrote this 10 years later, that she'd have to say, our cell phones were in there or something oh, like that. Yeah. There'd have to be some signifier of like why they can't contact That's society. True. It really sets the uh, sets it in time there that they don't have any... I didn't even think of that because I my mind just goes back to 1990 and I yeah. remember uh, the realities of then. I mean, it's so tri but like no Seinfeld could happen if people could text each other in that world. It's uh, the show just can't be a thing anymore. And the X Files wouldn't work at all. Yeah, it's true. There's a yeah. monster. Take a picture of it. There it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. You were right. It was a monster. <laughs> the end. I should have believed uh, you. That, yeah. The sound of Maggie too are shaking. I I like the reveal that it's like oh birdies and it's it's vultures. Mm. That's that's a funny little joke. But the bluntness of Homer screaming, I've, I've murdered, murdered us all. all. God damn. <laughs> So good. Like that, that feels like a very Swartzweldery kind of line of just, just saying the most obvious thing, the darkest thing he could say in that moment. And uh, I also do like that Homer builds them shelter and then their immediate reaction is just like, I'm done. You are? <laughs> yeah, it'll, it's good shelter for us. It is. It's like a log with uh, some sticks on piled top on top of it. Of it. Yeah. yeah, like a weird, a bad, a very bad lean-to, I guess. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I mean, the most joke they do with Marge and Lisa for the, like, 10 seconds of screen time they get is that they are better at building things than Homer ever could be and instantly become the Swiss family Robinson, I guess you'd say. Yeah, I guess that's, yeah. uh, it's, I'm glad you mentioned that because that was their plot line uh, in this episode. They were going to have their own like Swiss Family Robinson sort of uh, like get up or set up rather. Uh, but we see like a little bit of that. The tiniest. Yeah. Amount. Yeah. That's that's the obvious joke is he says he's a good woodsman. She is a good woodsman, doesn't know she's a good woodsman, but keeps doing things that are that are right. Yeah. That would be that'd be it. Like she's sweeping the ground with a, a stick and, <laughs> and and building things and rearranging the squirrels. And it's like, yeah, that's that's it. But they never kind of pay that off. Yeah. I, I mean, I think they're part of it is the joke about sexism. That the, Homer is this domineering man who just insists I know everything, and I've definitely experienced woodsmen. While meanwhile, Marge fully doubts her abilities and underestimates mm. them, and she's actually an incredible survivalist, but she just thinks, oh, I couldn't be half as good as your dad. He says he's great. She built a fire in this episode. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And uh, I guess they find food. Like, when I was watching this again for, like, the 90th time, I'm like, what are they eating? Like, Oh, that's right. What's going on here? <laughs> uh, Homer eats honey at one point, but and also a lot of bees. Yes, yeah. Marge instead has to be very stupid for the rest of this uh as homer and bart are going to go off on their little adventure maggie is walking behind them in a way that obviously homer and bart do not see her behind them and lisa correctly questions this and uh here's a marge's response should maggie be going with them mom no i don't think they'll be gone long and she's in good hands lisa so, yes. Exactly, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, especially, like, immediately after grumbling that uh, her husband just said he's murdered them all. It's like, ah, <laughs> oh, she's fine. He can watch yeah. the baby. 
It's one of the things that when you're writing a script where you go, why why are they doing this? Because the plot needs them to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm, all right. How much time have we got? Well, we're on deadline. Then it's fine. <laughs> Off it goes. Yeah. But you should be fixing it. It's, it's a weird thing. Like when you're saying like uh, Homer is this arrogant guy, I feel this all comes down to uh, the Ralph Cramden uh, honeymooners character who's like he was an mm. expert on everything mm-hmm. but uh but in the honeymooners at least he was married to a woman that wasn't like marge who was married to basically like a patty or selma who was always putting him down and wasn't <laughs> taking any of that nonsense when you've got the arrogant guy but the wife who is just oh he's fine it's like it just doesn't it just doesn't work yeah oh, over time they learn to build homer beyond the like ralph cramden uh yes. classic connect uh, sitcom writing I don't even think uh, Bart and Homer notice Maggie's following them because nah, they immediately no. lose her, and it's not a—it's not even part of the equation for yeah. them. I, I no, mean, if they did, they're monsters because they didn't uh, care that the baby is lost in the woods. Then yeah. they would have to not see her, otherwise they're uh, they're terrible. I take it to mean when they think she's a rattlesnake or they mistake it for rattlesnake, that's because they didn't know she was yeah. behind them. But it's it's all in service of getting Maggie with those bears, like. Uh, but they. Have have to have characters like almost sleepwalk through scenes to get her to be in that in that cave with the bears eventually it's uh it's a lot of it's a lot of uh dumbing down of characters and happenstance (laughs) just to get to you know stuff that's it's cute it's cute but i i don't think you should sell out all of your characters in the show to get to it there's like a couple jokes in here me and bob have been noting this a lot in season one is that there are jokes that were very clear on the script that when you watch it in animation you're like oh wait that was a joke Mm -hmm. but it wasn't fully expressed like the the gag that the rv is so slow there's a just a trail of cars behind it oh and when it pulls Mm. off the road they all start speeding up behind them like oh you you have to it's a lot of work to even notice yeah yeah i guess it wasn't that obvious to me and and another one to me is when homer and bart walk away you see the vultures are circling marge and lisa and when homer and bart walk away the vultures follow homer and bart saying the vultures know they're more likely to Uh, die soon yeah marge and lisa this could have been the first time i noticed that when bart and homer walk off and maggie follows the vulture shadows follow them i never they're just so indistinct yeah Yeah. it's one of those things that was probably very clear in the written word on a script but in animation sometimes you lose that or it gets lost in communication about what the uh, comedic intent was also uh, speaking of uh, the animation the design of bart in an all green suit with his yellow skin it's just it all melds together it's yeah. not his best look it's, <laughs> it's really weird uh, it's a it's a weird choice yeah i remember thinking that when i had even the toy of this i'm like yeah why is green on green on bart this is so <laughs> strange this isn't even you know a green shirt when they would change the shirt color for other merch, they'd still keep his pants blue. But in this case, his, his shorts got greenified too. But maybe they didn't think about it because he's barely... I mean, he wears them for maybe like two minutes in the mm. episode. Uh, but yeah, so as they, they walk away, Bart and Homer... Uh, gets scared by rattlesnake. Homer's bravado instantly shatters the second he's scared. Like like you said, in a very Ralph Cramden kind of moment. And uh, then Dan and Nancy have to scream so much. Oh yeah, after that I I really feel for them. But they they run off and they are screaming. Then Homer says, "Oh, everything's safe. I know. I'm an experienced woodsman." They take one step through some bushes and fall off like the biggest waterfall <laughs> in Springfield that they somehow 
neither heard well, nor knew of. Don't they fall off a cliff and then fall off, off oh, a waterfall? Oh, you're right. Cliff yeah. into water and then waterfall. You yeah. are correct. Yeah. It's like a and double that's where cliff. you have the little floating heads for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Though, yeah, the floating heads, The that was the bit that most reminded me of like the shorts, I think, because there's like they have some very wild positions when they're falling and also the way they kind of um, try to swim backwards to not go mm. over the waterfalls. Both of those felt like scenes from the Tracy Ullman shorts. Specifically, if you want to look them up, there's the gone fishing one where Bart and Homer go fishing and they do go over a waterfall together. Oh, yeah, no wonder. And uh, familiar. the Echo Canyon episode that mm. also involves a lot of echoing and shouting. So this... Um, you know, it could be Schwarzwelder just saw the shorts and were like, oh, these are good jumping off points or or whoever did the outline if Schwarzwelder didn't do the outline and just got handed the story. And again, it did remind me of, as you say, the video game where they fall off the waterfall as yep. well and, and land. And and then, of course, in the video game, as you say, it goes into dreamland. And like, you know, he's knocked unconscious. He's lying at the bottom <laughs> <laughs> with his half partly in the water. He's, he's horribly injured. But now mm. here comes a fantasy sequence. And it's, fine. it's impressive they all have a shared dream too like inception mm, style it's very Jungian <laughs> uh, and uh, it's a cute line Homer says like it becomes natural like a third sense <laughs> uh, but yes Homer and uh, Bart fall seemingly to their deaths they do a quick cut back to Marge and Lisa I love how Marge just places the squirrels like they are in <laughs> uh, like a clock or something. Yeah. And uh, though I wish the squirrels looked like the typical Springfieldian squirrel. Like there's, they're a little too naturalistic. I don't know. Too many yeah. details. I prefer they're the creepy looking I, squirrels. Yeah. yeah. They're not really moving either. Yeah. I prefer... What I thought later on, there's a couple and uh, the guy complains, we haven't even seen one squirrel. And I thought, <laughs> oh, it'd be interesting if the gag was Marge is actually just stacking all the squirrels and getting them. Getting <laughs> uh, organized, and that's why he hasn't. She has them all captive. <laughs> uh, well, and then they cut to Maggie, and she is confronted with a bear, which it works really well on first viewing of just you think, oh my God, a bear is towering over Maggie. What happens next? But the instant she befriends him, then it like all tension's gone, and mm. it's going to be a long sequence here. Yeah. I mean, I think I liked this as a kid, but now I'm like, uh, too cutie poo, <laughs> as Burns would say. Yes. Yeah. And, well, and it's distracting how long it goes without dialogue. Like, yeah. I don't know. If I was making cuts, I'd cut this before the Marge and Lisa stuff, I think. There's but. like some weird uh, Peter and the Wolf style song playing yeah. in the Bears. Mm. It, I find it irritating. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, you're right. That's totally where Gibbs was going with yeah. the music. Yeah. I Though I do like the, the designs on all the Bears. They fit the graining that yeah, uh, yeah. reinforced rule of it can't look cartoony and they can't do things uh, that a human would do. And this would later be a collector's plate. Oh, that's destined right. Destined to go yeah. up in value. <laughs> <laughs> Don't eat off them, though. Not a guarantee. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Maggie, I also like that Maggie in a very cartoony moment just pulls an extra pacifier out of her pocket and puts it in the bear's mouth to to pacify it. Uh, it did it, 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 it work. Yeah. Yeah. I like so, that they didn't go with Maggie and just do the the old uh, oblivious baby never gets hurt by anything going through the construction site. And mm. instead, her deal is she's just great at everything. Mm. You know, <laughs> a block, she's stacking MC squared. You know, she, she's good with a gun later on. She's just <laughs> she's just great at anything that she uh, that she puts her mind to. And she can even command bear 
bears like a cult leader. <laughs> I guess it is echoes of a sweet pea from Popeye, like an impervious mm-hmm. baby. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. But though at least going with the bear thing instead of a dodging peril, because they, I mean, they kind of, yeah, in the shorts, they did that too with the two-parter with Maggie on, yeah. the, on the run. So yeah. Yeah, but she's not, yeah. Sweet pea would, uh, is a dumb, a dumb baby that <laughs> just doesn't get hurt. But Maggie actually is uh, ahead of the game with uh, she's smarter than everyone else in the family, really, when it comes down to it. Maggie is the ultimate life form, as they have uh, Mm -hmm. joked in many times. She knows she's far smarter than Lisa many times. And I think the second that she talks, that's when she's going to get dumb. (laughs) And then uh, that's when she's going to lose it. I don't know if that's baby genius rules or how that works. But anyway, (laughs) something happens where you become dumb where you were smart once. Uh, And then we cut back to Homer's searching for Bart among the water, and uh, Homer briefly grieves. <laughs> Bart! Where are you, Bart? Ah! His lucky red hat! Oh, dear God! No! Bart! Bart! <coughs> oh, Bart! Oh, Bart, my beautiful son! Why couldn't you have taken me? Of all the fates on heaven and earth, why did this one befall me? <laughs> I have a cow, Dad. What the? Oh! <laughs> You're alive! And <laughs> buck naked. I'm not the only one, homeboy. What? Ooh. <laughs> Jungle man. <laughs> was don't have a cow one of the catchphrases you mentioned earlier yeah this okay. is another catchphrase yeah. He's a, bart is a catchphrase machine in this episode don't have a cow but this is don't have a cow dad so he's he's mixing it up you know genius at work moment here how does water these rushing water like <laughs> perfectly rip off all of their clothes i think they wanted to be naked yeah i feel like uh, i don't know i don't trust it <laughs> i mean i get why it's it's weird also to just have them nude together but it's really just to leave them with nothing and to make their situations even more desperate but it's also weird that homer's like oh yeah i'm standing around naked hey and he thinks it's quite comical (laughs) yes yeah yeah it's it's actually charming the attitude they have towards each other it's like you can tell they actually do really do love each other it's it's just this gentle kind of you know going back and forth with them but it's (laughs) It's weird the uh, naked naked from a, a fall. You feel like there's other ways of doing that. You could just go, oh, we've got to swim across this river to get to the other side. Oh, well, then strip down. We'll have our clothes here. We'll go get the thing and come. And then the clothes, you know, get knocked in or something happens. But yeah, falling, falling and <laughs> becoming nude. Huh? You say it's full of like leeches or something. Yeah. yeah. Instead, it's perfectly washed away somehow in the water. But whatever. I uh, also like to dunk on the music some more. That would be played so much better if Homer was if there was just silence behind Dan going like, "And all the things in heaven and earth." Like, but instead, the music is trying to back it up, but it really like subtracts yeah, from the moment. Music needs to get out of the way. Yeah. In some of these scenes. Uh, This also is the difference between, say, an Al Bundy, sorry to go back to Married with Children, and a Homer Simpson is. Al would not be mourning his child's death like that. Whereas Homer is this emotional guy that, uh, you know, is cursing cursing the heavens and being so over the top in in that way. And it's just he's just a gentler soul. Yeah, I I like it. Well, this also is the Schwarzwelder way of playing with Homer that all of a sudden he has like a Oscar worthy speech (laughs) on hand to curse 
curse God. Uh, and then he instantly goes like, hey, uh, king of the jungle. Like he just does a silly thing after that. This is the first time Homer is nude in the series. Bart got naked many times before this. Both oh, yeah. in the shorts and even like uh, Bart the genius and Telltale Head, which in production goes before this. He's You see his butt in both of those. This is actually quite restrained for Bart nudity <laughs> at this time. I didn't see one crack. <laughs> uh, but, but they hadn't had the courage yet to show homer's butt yes mm. they they uh we wouldn't see his behind probably till uh at least another couple years at that point uh also bart loses his lucky red cap it like it's gone like mm. his lucky red hat is gone uh it's not recovered by the end of the episode so i have to think he buys another one after this sure slightly less lucky perhaps <laughs> Uh, he remains hatless, I repeat, hatless. <laughs> They're uh, left high and dry. And uh, meanwhile, there's a long scene with the bears, which uh, it's just uh, them befriending her and convincing the other bears to like Maggie. It's just, uh, you know, I, I think I think it's executed fine. But as a viewer, I was just like, when's this bear scene ended? I'm waiting for it's just so, so silent. I, I don't like it. Well, there's no twists. You, you're like, <laughs> yeah, she, the bears like her and they like her more. And they still like her. <laughs> and keep there you go. Her. We get it. Yeah. All right. Moving on. But when we finish that bear scene, we uh, we then go back to Homer describing how to survive to Bart in probably the most memorable scene from season one. I oh, yeah. Think. The first thing you learn about surviving in the woods, boy, conceal your nakedness. Yeah, man. Okay. Slap a fern on there, boy. Now, now some mud. There. Oh, that requires a little mullet. <laughs> and some moss for me? All right. We're ready to hit the town. <laughs> Dad, I am so hungry. Can't we eat something first? I'm starving, man. Ah, food. Good thinking, son. This young sapling ought to do the trick. What are we going to do? Hang ourselves? No! <laughs> this is a trap. It's going to catch us our dinner. Come on, boy. Shh. Just watch. So, uh, first off, that all the descriptions of putting stuff to conceal your nakedness apparently that was only stage directions in the script and sam simon insisted on them being said out loud because they were just too funny i'm I'm glad that choice was made also though the lip sync bart's like yeah man that feels really Mm. 80 yard or weird like something's Mm. a little off on that but i love homer's delivery of like all right we're ready to hit the town the town yes and uh we played this clip at our live show in january and people loved it Uh, people still laugh at this 30 year old (laughs) clip of a rabbit being murdered i so i always remember the animal violence but i forgot the The thump the well no i meant the uh the self-harm oh yeah 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 yeah. that's like to me again this was uh this is the best scene to me in the whole first season because this is the scene that no other show could possibly do there's no other live sitcom that could show this because the the animal violence would be too realistic and too gruesome couldn't have that no Saturday morning cartoon could do this. Uh, even a Disney cartoon really couldn't do this. It was only this show that has this tone, and it's just such a perfectly timed bit of physical comedy. And then their reaction to it afterward. First of all, yeah, the setup of what are we going to hang ourselves? Okay, that's just a nice little you know snide little bit of comedy. Great, and it makes it misdirects you, so you don't think you don't know what's coming next because that joke's been done. <laughs> now we're now we're having the rabbit. It's a cute rabbit. You think there's going to be something, but you don't expect the rabbit to be flung to its death. <laughs> Then it takes so long, and then the thump, and then you're like, oh, it's going to be a big reaction from the guys now. 
okay then. And just the <laughs> yeah. small little reaction, uh, perfect. And no other show could do this. This is why The Simpsons, you know, uh, was, was so special. And uh, yeah, what made it so unique to me. And you forget about the uh, kind of lame gag that follows this, where Homer <laughs> goes into the bushes and comes out, and they just recycle animation. And I think speed up his screams. It just sounds yeah. weird. Oh, I, I have all that okay. set aside so we can we can hear. I I did want to say on the Nancy's line, like, what are we gonna do? Hang ourselves? Hang ourselves? I like her delivery that. I think it could have been played more sarcastic, but instead, I think Bart partially means it. Yeah. It's just like, oh, we're going to just kill ourselves and end <laughs> it. Like, which, you know, suicide's nothing to joke about. I wouldn't do it now. But in the past, that was a very funny joke to me. And it's, it's still, it still makes me laugh to this day. But yes, then there's also animal violence, which, you know, again, not funny, <laughs> except in this case where it is funny. Uh, but here, yes, let's, let's, hear that and also homer's uh follow-up plan to it Aha! got him <laughs> okay okay this time i'll just go into the bushes over there make a lot of noise and flush out a rabbit and when he comes out you step on him right step on Get him off me! Get him off me! Get him off me! <laughs> I, I hate those screams. <laughs> I, I, it's, <laughs> the sounds Dan doesn't make normally. That's no, they're just. Sure. I don't think he figured out Homer uh, screams like uh, high pitched. No, not yet. Yeah, I think uh, in, a, in a couple episodes ago, it felt like the first high pitched scream when Homer wakes up. Uh, in the middle of the night from his bad dream his high-pitched scream that's i think the first time it really felt like dan discovered that also homer's command of you step on him like you step on him (laughs) just (laughs) squish this rabbit and and what's your plan after crushing that (laughs) rabbit anyway or this squirrel you gonna cook it you're just gonna like eat the corpse like i think homer needs to have that kind of brutal of a thing to say so it's funnier that the animals are tearing him apart instead yeah Mm -hmm. but the yeah the yeah that almost sounds like really Mel Blanky kind mm. of sounds of like could have been going for that. Like when Bugs Bunny drinks a weird potion and he goes oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Homer then just screams a bunch. And uh, then in the very next scene, I uh, clipped out what I call Hank Azaria's best acting in season one. Oh, it's such a treat to hear him doing these uh, side characters in this episode. Like I missed <laughs> hearing his voice. Yeah, this is, it's, I think by this time in the script writing it's the ninth one they're nearing the end of the season i think they finally know what hank azaria is good at and they've started to truly fall in love with him as uh, as a voice actor like he doesn't become a full co-star on the show until season two like he's still he's on the level of you know pamela hayden or uh Rusie taylor kind of level of mm. guest voice not full co-star and are these characters the gamels you know al jean kinda... says they are but I, I thought the gamels were the good family in um no disgrace like home they're not the same design and the wiki treats them differently mm. i i'm getting the feel on these commentaries when al or mike call out the gamble family they just mean any regular ass family mm. like there's there's basically like five versions of that family is even down to the fishing hat they all wear oh yeah <laughs> uh, but they're not exactly the same no but yes why do we hear some uh, some wonderful hank azaria acting great camping trip honey 
<laughs> Traveled 800 miles, haven't even seen a squirrel yet. Well, the ranger at the gate said we should watch out for bears. Ooh, bears. <laughs> right, right. Let me show you how many bears there are around here. Uh, hello, bears. Um, come on, ha have a donut. Oh, what the heck? Have me. Come and get it. All right, all right, you made your point. <laughs> Is that our first Maggie Roswell? I think so. Okay. I think so. Interesting. That's really good. I mean, uh, though only now when putting the sounds by itself is that pacifier noise incredibly distracting. Like I, it's yeah. so squeaky. It's it's even worse than the Maggie sound. Well, they were all they were doing the pacifier noise over uh, dialogue back na back in this season. I don't know if they yeah. did that in the second season, but it's so hard to listen to without the visuals. <laughs> but I just love. It. I was like, ah, eat me. Come on, eat me. <laughs> like, oh, such funny delivery. Just the snideness of this dick. <laughs> yeah. Just, I know. Uh, I love great, these characters. I would yeah. love a spin-off series with these characters. Great camping trip, honey. Yeah, the sarcastic husband and the put-upon wife is just like, okay, you made your point. Like these two must a divorce. I don't think they're getting a second kid. This it's already this tense on their first vacation. As this is not, they should not add children in this family. I'm going to say that uh, they call the baby on the commentary a graining baby too. Like, oh I, yeah, I think it's it looks just, like Nibbler. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it's the same one design they used in notice grace like home that uh, that mac raining on the commentary shouts out like look i tried to design a cute baby okay <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> it's not my forte <laughs> Then the bears, while this guy is acting like there are no bears, the bears kind of steal all of his stuff. And that's the closest to like a joke I feel with them is that they, they're able to steal countless toys across the entire day, like in, in the forest, hmm. which is uh, seemingly impossible. So I like that. This reminds me of, I believe, the Easter Sunday after this episode aired, like I guess a month or so later. I forget when Easter was in 1990. Uh, I remember the parents talking about the bear subplot in this episode oh, how, really? how cute they thought it was <laughs> so uh, the moms love this one and moms love it you can't uh, you know maybe they made the right choice then with this adorable something for movie. everyone <laughs> so uh then they go back to Lisa, who it is late at night they haven't seen uh three members of their family all day and they are not worried at all. Not one And bit. they're not very cold, uh, despite oh. having no, like, uh, blankets or real shelter. It's a powerful fire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they just give up on even searching for them. While, while meanwhile, uh, Homer and Bart try to get some shut-eye. I hope Maggie and the boys are all right. Oh, I'm sure they're just fine. <laughs> After all, we built a fire, and we don't know anything about nature. Imagine what your father, an experienced woodsman, has done. Yeah, I suppose so. Night, Mom. Mm -hmm. Good night, dear. Good night. Good night, son. Sleep tight. Now, I will say, I totally forgot that even Lisa's a dope in this episode, yeah. too. Like, yeah. Where she should be like, come on, Mom. Yeah, Mom, what are you, stupid? Yeah. They're dead. <laughs> like, and then you can just cut away if you just want to leave it at that. But don't be like, I guess you're right, Mom. Yeah. My, my father and brother are very smart. <laughs> that would be a, that would be a nice scene if uh, Marge thinks they are dead and is just trying to comfort her daughter and create this world where everything is still fine. And knowing they're all going to die. <laughs> That's just a... the thing. Just go to sleep. Just go to sleep. <laughs> Here, I have a drink for you, Lisa. Oh, no. no yeah, I, you know, that's a more fun headcanon than just reading it on the surface level intent. I like that. I 
forgot to mention it earlier but the way lisa says to homer like well you know the big dipper always points to the north star he's like well this is an astronomy class lisa like she knows yeah. that the homer's dead it's a big warning sign for lisa yeah. also them saying goodnight to each other another like real extreme sound design choice of just the loudness of their clacking teeth as they shiver in the cold like i feel like they should at least know like i don't know get some leaves and try to cover yourselves a little bit i guess they're that that's stupid <laughs> or spoon each other for crying out yeah, loud that's you what know, Marge and Lisa are doing it and they're you <laughs> well, know they're they're warm <laughs> I, I could see both uh, Homer and Bart feeling weird at that idea especially so. since they're both naked yeah you know? yeah if, hey, if it was me and my dad I'd say no to that too I'd, I'd be like, <laughs> no. I, I get that but the way they played it before is they seem to be there is none of that uh gay panic thing about it they're just like hey you're looking you're naked and it's just like it's laughing good goofy fun they're putting moss on each other everyone's mm-hmm. cool and then it's like eh and then we can't sleep together. It just seems, yeah, go for it. Yeah. yeah this well, doesn't seem to be an issue with those guys. I guess they're just too stupid to know to do that. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then meanwhile, Maggie snuggles up with a big comfy bear, which does look very, uh, very look cozy. Sleepy. Yeah. yeah I, I, mm-hmm. I want to take a nap there. Uh, so then we come back with, I think my favorite reply Homer's ever had to, are we there yet? I really love at the, uh, the start of this scene. No. Are we ever going to be there? How would I know? Quit asking. <laughs> pointless. Hark! <gasps> Look! Honey! Honey! We're saved! Uh, Homer? Bees? <laughs> Who is it? Angie. Stop! 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 Water! Water! What? Water, water. Oh, water. That old man. <laughs> 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 Yeah, the episode's really in crazy town. <laughs> yeah. Now, <laughs> during that scene, I'm always waiting for Homer to say, they're defending themselves somehow. Oh, that's... <laughs> but that's from uh, Lisa's rival. You're right. Homer... It, it's a better bee joke, but you got to start somewhere, right? Um, Homer, in most cases, doesn't know what bees do. In this case, it's so early, Homer shouldn't be this stupid. You have to tell yourself he's delirious from hunger. That, yeah. But I just love how Barco's like, Dad bees like bees exist you know that those are bees right like but yeah he shouldn't be dumber than winnie the pooh (laughs) (laughs) winnie the pooh knows bees are uh in in a hive it's it's a very strange yeah if he said like they're more scared of uh, us than we are of them or (laughs) something something along those lines that any kind of just offhand line you know as long as you go in slow subtly anything you know it would work but yeah he just like dives in it's just it's just <laughs> too dumb yeah he's just goes honey and then just basically punches through the <laughs> yeah. beehive not seemingly unaware of what would happen next when you do that and this bigfoot stuff was a uh i think it was one of the standout memorable moments of the season like homer yeah. being mistaken for bigfoot because of his design of course it's like <laughs> an obvious joke we had the uh ape-like dude uh oh, in yeah. right yeah, that's right uh but like i i i don't know if i like this anymore it just it's such so, so weird 
weird and this early to stretch the credulity, I guess, mm-hmm. or I, credibility. I don't know. I, you know, when you uh, bring it up that way, it does make me feel more like what you stereotype late Simpsons is having, which mm. is a ridiculous escalation in the third act that kind of leaves behind any reality that was in the show before that. But it also feels like the pre- like it was written backwards from this. Like they go camping and Homer is mistaken for Bigfoot. How do yeah. we get there? I feel yeah. like that was written f- from that approach backwards. And then you get there in about 20 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like if he was just Bigfooting it up through the whole thing and little by little, he became more and more Bigfoot till he was like full Bigfoot. Maybe. But yeah, it's just, okay, the plot needs to happen now. Go. But though, you know, in the late 80s, yeah, Bigfoot fever was as hot as ever. And they, they say on the commentary, they were directly making fun of all the Bigfoot specials that were on Fox. Yeah. But, I mean, Bigfoot is easy programming. Conspiracy theories in general, easy programming at that time I on guess television. If there was like some mention of Bigfoot before this, it would have felt more natural than That's just true. like to be like all Bigfoot for the last three minutes <laughs> of the episode. Yeah, yeah, someone mentioned Bigfoot at all. Like when I, when I moved to Vancouver from uh, Montreal, I was a, like 10 years old and our big fear me and my sister was well this is Bigfoot country wait what are you crazy like there's Bigfoots in the woods because it was it was so Bigfoot saturated back then that you know and you can tell the age the writers are that they still have as you say the Bigfoot fever but when this came out Bigfoot wasn't a thing anymore <laughs> I, this was definitely how I learned of the idea of Bigfoot I think the Bigfoot pizza would come not long after <laughs> oh, that's true <laughs> yeah they, he they, sold out <laughs> he was once terrifying uh, and and uh, well, I, I probably around the same time saw Harry and the Hendersons. I can't yeah. really, it's fuzzy in my memory, which I saw first. But yeah, uh, there are some parts of America where Bigfoot is enormous. I had a, I had a dinner once uh, at a party with uh, Bobcat Goldthwait, and he was, re- he was filming a movie about Bigfoot that was part real documentary and part fiction. And they had to actually talk to people who were really into Bigfoot. And there are parts of America where it is almost a religion. <laughs> I, I love that. I, I mean, that's one of my favorite favorite Futurama episodes is when they reveal that Fry is a huge Bigfoot fan. Mm. Uh, It also has one of my favorite uh, quotes ever on the show. It's like, I get it. Like, (laughs) I like to say that so people know that I get jokes or references. It's the human (laughs) horn joke, right? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Human horn uh, episode. Yes. The human horn. The whole bit of Homer... He has to get stung in his mouth. That's also why he does it. So that's why he can't communicate audibly. And he he sounds crazy too. Like, rah, 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 rah. Yeah. the bees stung his mouth. Uh, so that's why he has to be so stupid as to put bees on his fist <laughs> into his mouth. I did like Ian's idea. I said earlier, like, it would have been better if uh, slowly he started being more like Bigfoot. Like, maybe someone could spot him, like, loping around naked mm, yeah. in the distance. Like, I, I think I see Bigfoot. Yeah. You know, just like slowly over time, like, he adopts more bigfoot like features until this moment yeah the couple who was complaining earlier the guy about like not seeing anything he's taking a picture and gets a picture of homer sloping as bigfoot and you know freaks out or something and yeah just build build it up uh, I just yeah. know also Homer probably does have a bee allergy because once the bee stung his bottom and then his bottom got big. <laughs> that's, that's true. So that is a sign uh, of a severe bee allergy that he that's, has. That's true. He should have a worse reaction then. He should be going into anaphylactic shock, I think. It does feel like you can hear Dan holding his tongue to say like, uh, what, what's the matter with you? Uh, never mind. Like You can tell he's saying things instead of just like, rah, 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 sounds. Uh, and of course, uh, I identify 
Bigfoot with Canada because of the uh, Canadian super team Alpha Flight and their member Sasquatch. Sasquatch, yes, indeed, yeah. He's a teacher at SFU, that's right. Yeah, Walter Langowski, I think. Oh boy, we got a real fan here. Well, you know, I'm Canadian. We have to know all the Alpha Flight characters. Actually, who's your favorite member? Mine's Puck. I like Puck the most. He's fun. You know what? I like Aurora. Uh, she's cool. underrated very you, underrated you know as a gay man i should have said north star but i really like puck he's more fun and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah he's also an elf sometimes when they don't want to deal with it he's gay so oh, it's, yeah. it's very odd well he, he stopped being an elfid man once they could just say he was gay yeah <laughs> i am going to be doing an episode of retronauts about sam and max at the road pretty soon mm-hmm. the video game and that game is all about bigfoot mm-hmm. and i have a theory uh ian uh, you were born in the 60s correct I was born in the late 60s. Late 60s. Yeah. Okay. I feel like everyone born in the 60s is Bigfoot obsessed to some point because like the Simpsons writers, the same and Max yeah. uh, game designers, like it's all coming together for me. Something about <laughs> that era. There was a movie and I forget the name, I forget the name of the movie, but they advertised it all the time on television. There was a woman who's sitting in her living room and she's just relaxing. And then this Bigfoot hand smashes in through a window and grabs her. And it's the most terrifying thing. And it it scarred so many of us. This this movie it just locked it into our into our heads. And yeah, I I can tell like if people are Bigfoot obsessed, yeah, about what age they are. Well, they I, saw that clip. I remember too on the Venture Brothers. They're in the first season or second. They do a Bigfoot episode that is their takeoff on the six million dollar man and Bigfoot oh, episode. Yes, yeah. that's right. There was also a Saturday morning uh, show. Sid and Marty Croft did Bigfoot and Wild Boy. Oh. And it was it was a Bigfoot and kind of a Tarzan boy, and they solved mysteries. Wow, that's... Woods I mean, mysteries, yeah. That sounds fun. For us, when we were kids, uh, Henry and I, it was definitely like gray aliens. Yeah, were the, the grays uh, everywhere. The cool yeah. thing to believe in. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had the first episode of South Park and X-Files yeah. going strong on that stuff. Yep. Yeah. The cuddly, friendly mystery of Bigfoot, that's more fun than, you know, probing gray aliens. That's, that's more depressing. <laughs> I, I don't like that as much. And Anywho, Bigfoot has been found and the news is going wild for it. And uh, don't let your ears deceive you, listeners. This is not Kent Brockman in this next clip. Bigfoot, legendary half-man, half-ape, is no longer a legend. He's very, very real. What you're about to see is unedited video footage taken earlier today in the hills three miles southwest of Tenderfoot Gorge. Now, the naturalist who took these absolutely extraordinary (laughs) pictures was most impressed by the creature's uncivilized look, its foul language, and most of all, its indescribable stench. (laughs) A popular supermarket tabloid has offered a reward of $5,000 to anyone who brings in the creature alive. Naturally, we'll have more on this story as soon as it develops. We now return you to the president's address already in progress. I like that joke. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah. uh, I mean, that's a running gag they would do on their news things of like, oh, uh, and also the president was indicted for murder, but uh, that's after the movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't think they uh, underline it here, but uh, in the early years, or at least in the first year, uh, you were never supposed to meet Kent Brockman. It was like the Kent mm. Brockman News Hour starring Kent Brockman, and then there'd be another newscast for like Scott Christian, like Kent Brockman is on assignment or on vacation, like you would never meet him. Mm. But then they decided, like, oh, Ken Brockman's funny. This character is funnier. Uh, but but this guy is just a news guy. Like, yeah, he's not even Scott Christian. Yeah, well, and they'll use the same design the next time the news is in the episode, but it's Dan doing the voice. So they start with Harry doing oh, yeah. the Ken Brockman voice, 
and then he'll be Dan at the end doing basically the Scott Christian voice, but he's an amalgamation of both, but he's also neither. He's just a, I looked at the wiki, he will appear in like character background shots, but this newsman never returns because the next time they need a news reporter on TV, they just use Scott Christian or Kent Brockman. Mm. Now I'm, bl- I'm blanking on this. Uh, where was Bart when all this was going on? Um, I guess like, Homer ran far away from him and then they kind of meet back up I think together. Bart's just following him. Yeah. But, okay. But, so there's no, yeah, there's no point where like Bart thinks that the, this is just cool that they're thinking his dad, because he would just let this play out. There's no way he would stop that. But I just wonder if there was a, any point where Bart, you know, reunites with, with Marge or Lisa <laughs> or anything. It just like, seems like Homer runs away from Bart and then this, uh, this whole thing happens. Uh, no, the second act does end with them silently meeting back up together, okay, which cool. explains why they're together in the next scene. So Homer runs away, gets covered in mud, and then runs back to Bart, which, uh, like you said before, Homer smells really, really bad. Yeah, and like one of the, we- like this season had some weird act breaks. This one is so bizarre. It's oh, just yeah. like the act break is Homer is sulking on a log and Bart is sitting on a log. And then there's your <laughs> commercial break. Yeah, like, it doesn't make me want to stick around through those commercials. The <laughs> joke, like we now return to the president's address already in progress, like bam, like blackout, yeah. commercial time. But that's like, no, let's go to like a like fade out on a sad scene of, uh, <sighs> it's like messes with the tone of this wacky Bigfoot stuff too. You know, maybe they just felt like, oh, we got to get it back to the family. They don't, mm. uh, you know, mm. but they didn't see how it would play out once it's finally all animated. So like, no, we got to remind people the stakes of Bart and Homer. We don't need to go out on a joke. I think they get more confident on their ability to leave people laughing with an uh, end of a scene instead of going to a sad moment that just diffuses tension. Like uh, the music doesn't help. Like yeah. this just constantly happens in season one. Did you ever talk about Matt Groening's rubber band theory of comedy? You know, I think we probably mentioned yeah. some point, but yeah, uh, yeah, it just feels like a bit of that where like it stretches to crazy town and then and, and then snaps back. Obviously, by the end it does, and we've got a very realistic scene with them in bed together. But I feel like sometimes they do that with the act breaks here too where it's like well we can't end the act break crazy Mm. we gotta like pull it back to reality so that we can be real when we come back as well so let's not act let's not end on the funniest or most exciting thing we'll just end on a a realistic moment of (sighs) which is kind of what they did you know with the simpsons you know enter the forest and then you get as you say the because we got to really ground it and bring it down no ending on a joke just and same same thing here let's end it on a downer so we can come back at a a more realistic place and uh, the newspaper offering the reward is springfield weekly not springfield shopper Shopper. yeah though shopper had previously appeared in homer's odyssey Mm -hmm. so it's i mean obviously the it's a weekly world news reference when they call it Springfield Weekly. And I think the artist did a really good job of drawing the imaginations of Bigfoot. Like the, the artist rendering of Bigfoot are really good. I like that a lot. Uh, and it's also funny to know that Homer, after being mistaken for Bigfoot by season five, will still believe in Bigfoot and want to meet him with Godfrey oh, yeah. Jones. Oh, yeah. Sasquatch. I like his style. style. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we come back from commercial break. An entire tent city has built up around Sasquatch mania, which is also the plot of a terrible movie called Pottersville. Pottersville, yeah. Terrible. I can't believe that movie's real. It is an unbelievable film. I can't tell you more about it because if you want to just enjoy a bad movie, watch that or 
or you know, listen to Friends of the Show, We Hate Movies, their podcast about Pottersville. That's how I did it. That movie is insane. It has the best cast of a terrible movie that maybe has ever happened. Anywho, then we get to see the park ranger has just saved Lisa Marge off screen, which that really saves some time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Doesn't it? <laughs> it's like, oh, you actually were saved and you're fine. Anyway. Which, that- which it would have been a good scene with him showing up and seeing they were living great. Yeah. And had a beautiful lean to by that point. It almost looked exactly like the Simpsons home. And she was cooking a nice meal like, oh, thanks for saving us. And then, you know, being rescued. Yeah. Though I do like the park ranger. I like how he's played by H- Hank. Me too. There. And it's mm-hmm. similar to the Mountain of Madness uh, park ranger. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, not as boring as, as that guy is like, well... <laughs> he just walks <laughs> away. Uh, but uh, they had to get rid of that to make room for a bunch of jokes about the tabloid culture of the mm. early 90s, late 80s, which, I mean, you know, now we talk about uh, going viral and all that stuff, but this was the celebrity trash culture of the time that they were commenting it's on. before tablets were the most reputable source for, uh, like, celebrity deaths. It's like sure. TMZ breaks deaths before anyone else, any national news service. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but, well, because they don't care about families no. or any uh, uh, decorum. They're just like, we heard this person's dead right now. Let's tell don't everyone. let the corpse cool off. Oh, God, yeah. And uh, this was something they could do in animation that you couldn't do in live action, which was get people to read. You would never have like a sign that you would read or a spinning paper that you would have a lot of information on. That, would, that wouldn't be something that you would put in a regular sitcom at all. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because it's animation, there's something about that that just makes it possible and you can actually like pay off a gag that way or pay off a plot point i feel like in the next year they would have additional jokes on these newspapers too Mm. these spinning newspaper gags are a little funnier than the ones in homer's odyssey that were just like a headline like this Mm -hmm. they do a little more work here but season one is them learning over time just how much information they can pack onto the screen and they haven't fully figured it out yet but yes marge speaks to the tabloids There's something horrible roaming these woods. There is? (laughs) Why, that's my husband! His name isn't Bigfoot. His name is Homer. What does it eat? I don't understand. What's this all about? Well, I, I suppose pork chops are his favorite. Hey, get those bears out of here. I'm trying to do an interview. <laughs> no bears. We're taping all bears off the set. I love that it's an effeminate voiced man that shoots yeah, away the bears. He's not even worried about these giant bears. <laughs> off the set, please. <laughs> and this is back when they tried to give Homer like a food preference. This mm. pork chops and applesauce thing would come up a few more times, but then they realized like, no, he'll just eat anything. He'll yeah. eat a disgusting <laughs> sandwich. He'll eat uh, free soap in the mail. He'll eat... Uh, <laughs> Tulips or is it uh, daffodils? Uh, or? Two, no, tulips. Tulips, That's a yeah. To Holland, yeah. And he, uh, separate from the dish soap, he also eats decorative soaps. That they yeah. <laughs> 
uh, yeah, you're right. There's uh, he's not such a discerning eater uh, after that. But yeah, I mean, for at least season one into two, the crux of his love of pork chops is is very important. To like, he ordered those at Unky Herbs. Yeah, yeah, at any time of night, and and same with um, he be- loved Marge's specific way of making pork That's chops. Right. In, yeah, uh, the itchy and scratchy versus Marge. Yeah, it was a big pork chop and cupcake show for a while. There. <laughs> Uh, I want now as an adult who like you know buys pork chops. I think the uh, the extra joke is how low class it is for Homer. It's like pork chops are cheaper than steak. It's the it's a budget family kind of thing. But even when Homer is in the lap of luxury with his uh, half brother, he still is like, no, I want pork chops any time of night. I don't want filet mignon any time of night. I want pork chops and applesauce. Another low uh, budget meal. Oh yeah, I mean mixing them together. That is such a like. Uh, low class thing to do it's uh it's great marge just telling them all this stuff and she doesn't she's kind of dumb i think she gets her sense back at the end of this questioning sequence is when he, he she finally realizes like oh wait this is for the news and you guys are using <laughs> this like especially the guy that asks about uh his love making yes yeah brutish <laughs> brutish yes that. that's a very distracting design i think they said it's like basically the uh barber from the tracy ullman shorts it's close so yeah so that's what they said on the commentary, and Wes Archer did work on all the shorts, but the guy actually, he looks similar to the barber, but who he actually is, is... If you remember when Bart stops the candy st- store being robbed, yes. he's interviewed by a news reporter, and it is one-to-one that Very uh, early beard lion guy. Yes, yeah. That's why even this far into season one, he stands out as a shorts character adapted. But, you know, you got to save some time. It's, you got to produce 13 of these by, you know, January. It's it's tough. So if there's a news guy you already used in the f- shorts, use them here. Homer and Bart, in their search for food, they happen upon bears. I guess they smell the, like, dead fish that they're (laughs) eating. Yeah. Uh, But again, they're very desperate. They haven't eaten in days now, it seems like. And uh, they then just stumble upon Maggie. And Homer's reaction, like... Maggie, my little girl. <laughs> That's weird. It's a weird reaction. They got to wrap things up. We got like ninety seconds left. Yeah, mm. it's true. They they knew Homer and Bart have to come back to civilization with Maggie, so they just speed it up. I do like Homer's though pronouncement of when they get confronted by the Grizzlies with "Praise the Grizzly Son." Praise <laughs> Maggie saves them from the Grizzlies by commanding them to not kill Bart and Homer, and uh, then she waves goodbye to them in like kind of a sweet moment. I think uh, though. You know, my mom's, we talked about mom's favorite scenes. I think my mom really loved the Bigfoot is my husband stuff. She had a good laugh at that. I thought, uh, as uh, as you know, time wasted. I thought the bear stuff was. I did like the bear at the end with the pacifier. Yeah, cute. yeah, that was cute. It was still cute. <laughs> I'm. I would have thought a single tear would roll down its eyes, but that would break the macaroni. <laughs> so. And I also like to. This is more headcanon. I like to think that once they find Maggie, she directs them out of the woods, and that's the only reason they mm. find civilization. I again. like that. I like oh, the headcanon. Yeah. There's a there's a thing earlier on where Homer tells Bart, uh, "Animals can smell fear." I'm just saying because he's doing the don't be. Uh, scare the grizzlies thing I, I looked that up by the way and uh, animals cannot smell fear except in uh the same type of animal that they are 
So oh. if you do run into an animal, it can't smell your fear. Just oh. letting you know. Okay. Be as afraid as you want. That's right. <laughs> fear it up. Uh, and so they leave the woods. Finally, Homer, just a nude man covered in mud, <laughs> caked on mud at this point. They note on the commentary, too, they're like, this really should be more mud. He looks like a human still, but uh, not to the folks who are swept up in Bigfoot fever as they confront Homer. Look, it's him. It's Bigfoot. Get the gun. You are darn lucky we got here in time to rescue you. What the hell are you talking about, sir? He's getting away! After him! You gotta take him alive! Johnson, you got that tranquilizer gun ready? Dad! Oh, Dad! Avenge me, son. Avenge my death. <laughs> Now that's more uh, classic Homer yeah. there. High pitched screaming, mm-hmm. telling Bart to avenge his death. Uh, I think what's supposed to make this work more in the reality of the show is that Homer has a lot of like body hair, like back and chest hair and body hair, and uh, they just can't draw it because it would just look terrible and be too much work. So I think that's also what's selling him being Bigfoot, him being also being hairy. That, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's that makes it even weirder to think of Homer as design that he's like a big fat hairless man like just yeah. part, completely hairless uh, well also i think the net put over homer i feel like that is supposed to be a planet of the apes reference yeah, it could oh, be yeah. Yeah. yeah that's how uh, several of the uh humans are captured by the apes and planet of the apes and also if you pause that scene as i did you can really appreciate the many weird smiles and teeth on the men surrounding homer as they capture him it's a very weird drawing uh and also there's a lot of again very like cartoony zips off screen like the when the hunters all see bigfoot they all like speed off screen like in like a big smear kind of hmm. uh, and then this last scene with the um the scientists or whatever yeah. on the commentary algae and mike reese did not write this episode but they said this this happened apparently before or like in post-production or something this this final scene because it's like this is not the script that we saw like yeah. this is not the script that we worked on i don't know like how this was not part of their job or their like how it passed you know you know beyond them yeah i'm i'm not sure either i you know we talked to jay kogan about the function of the season one writer's room as compared to other seasons and he did mention that like well there wasn't like a full table read or full rewrite like they would do in later seasons but it was you know sam simon matt graining james l brooks and then gene and reese were there for the reading of it and the notes of it but perhaps they gene and reese weren't there for a fuller rewrite that would happen mm. after the script reading part maybe that maybe that's the part that happened after they yeah, left the room because this final scene i guess was not part of the original uh, read through of this uh, script yeah mm. it, i mean and it's so extreme it's so crazy this is all I these mean, international like scientists weighing in on what homer is and they don't know we we talk about how homer later in the series becomes the most famous man on earth who everyone should know at least in america for his many times he's made national news but here he is right here like from this point on he would be the guy we all thought was bigfoot like that would that would be his he'd be on remember the 90s thing 
happens for that in the universe of The Simpsons. They're already breaking the simple reality of The Simpsons to have Homer be national news and for them to go so far with the joke that to a committee of trained scientists, Homer is indistinguishable from a mythical missing link. It's a uh, pretty crazy. <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of gimmies. Everyone to to get here, Marge had to not act correctly. Lisa had to not act correctly. Uh, nothing can really make sense at the ending uh, with this ending. But you know, it's, do you find it funny? Okay, fine. Yeah. Push, push, push. We got to get to the end. Get get it going. Keep it going. Keep it moving. If you are to play it out realistically in your mind, once Homer is knocked unconscious, Bart tells them everything that happened. Marge gets proof of identification of like well no this is my husband this is a human man or the second they hose him off and see yeah. him they're like well no that's a human man like here's his birth certificate he's, he's a human Can and you... and even after that once they put him in a diaper and are feeding him raw pork chops <laughs> at that point they should know he's a man because he can speak and it's just it's so weird and extreme it's it's uh, not a raw pork chop though because there's a little uh food service cart that, uh, like a room service situation with a little metal uh uh, you know uh, that uh, whatever you put the metal lid over your meal that was mm. off to the side so okay. they ordered something they're i think they're doing this in a hotel or something because <laughs> that is a cooked pork chop okay but, but it's uh, you're right there is that little serving tray it's but it's still so crazy and <laughs> And then even crazier, and also, yes, the reporter that talks, this is when it's Dan Castellaneta, same design of reporter. It also makes me think that this reporter explaining things was added in late too, because I think it's like late ADR and they're just, they forget that it was Kent or uh, Harry before and I they think just can't right, yeah. do it. And also... For some reason, Marvin Monroe has left the field of psychiatry to join <laughs> animal biology. He's part Apex of the Primate Bridge. Institute as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do love the idea that Springfield is so big that they have their own Primate Institute just, just oh, there. I found another pork chops and applesauce reference. That's what uh, Kang and Kodo served him That's in the right. spaceship. So, man, seasons one, two, and three, just uh, his food of choice. <laughs> uh, they, it was also, it featured prominently in the Brady Bunch in, a, in an episode that all of these writers would have oh, like yeah. n- known very, very well i know and played for comedic purposes and it just sounds funny pork chops and applesauce pork chops and applesauce yeah i'm I, you know i got pork chops in the fridge i'm gonna have that for dinner tonight <laughs> uh, but before i make pork chops uh, let me <laughs> let me play the final ridiculous clip it's of crazy. this episode they are now ready to announce their findings uh, ladies and gentlemen uh, distinguished colleagues <clears throat> After extensive biological and anatomical testing, I I regret to announce that the evidence we have is inconclusive. Uh, This thing may or may not be human. (laughs) That's what he thinks. I say it's none other than Bigfoot in the flesh. Oh, no, I disagree. I think it is a man. The eyes had a glimmer of human intelligence. Really, a glimmer in the eyes. What about the sloping ape-like forehead? Oh, the guys at work are going to have a field day with this. Cheer up, Homer. At least they let you go. Gentlemen, gentlemen, Fraulein, please. <coughs> uh, this much I believe we can agree upon. This specimen is either a below-average human being or a brilliant beast. Stupid pigheads. Oh, Homer, <laughs> my brilliant beast. Mm. 
it's at least a sweet moment at the yeah. very end there. And I do love the drawing of how Marge looks at Homer. Like, that's a good... That's a good drawing, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, but I do like Homer's like, oh, the guys are going to have a field day with this at work. <laughs> it's like, you were a national news story because no one no could tell if you're human. That's They're going to uh, get a little razzed at work. That made me laugh extra, actually. Yeah. Because that is what Ralph Cramden would say at the end of an episode where he, like, you know, fell into a pool of water in front of everybody. Like, you're going to have a field day with this. But he would never be a national news story about being mistaken for Bigfoot. So it, at the very least, that uh, line choice is funny in how silly the situation is. Also, in a very short design choice, in the background where Marge and Homer are in bed are photos of Bart, Lisa, and Maggie following the old shorts rule of if the whole family isn't in a shot, then in the home there should be a background element of a photo of the rest of the characters who aren't in the scene. Uh, and it's incredibly distracting. Uh, yeah. Very glad they uh, stopped doing that after season one. But this does follow the rule that you know gene and reese joke about how they're like they do all this craziness and then they do you know 10 seconds of sweetness <laughs> at the end and it earns them back the any credulity yeah homer's motivation at the very beginning was wanting to be on par with his neighbor or better and then he becomes a national news story where everyone no one knows he's human or not <laughs> and just on paper that is a that is a hell of a plot that's a very very long way to go i but again uh, no other sitcom could do it so so yeah. I'll give him I'll give him that. Like this is the only show where you could do anything like that. Yeah, I wish we saw a return of Flanders in this third act though. Mm. Like, hey Simpson saw the news or something. He's <laughs> like, shut up, Flanders. Uh, oh, he does say diddly in this too. Oh, it's the yeah, first time yeah. that says diddly. And I've the first read. Flanders is is. Yes. Flanders is. Yeah. I also do like Marge calling him a brilliant beast and also the kind of cuteness of the way she l is kissing him but also looks behind her to turn off the lights like mm, yeah it's, it's yeah. a nice little acting move I wonder if that we're supposed to think they snuggled after that light went oh off. they're definitely making love after that for <laughs> sure yeah 100% and, and, uh, and we dumped on the soundtrack the whole time but the choice to not have any music play as the cut to black for the credits that was good I'm yeah, glad yeah. they did it we, I, we didn't hear like bomb bomb Bum, ba -da. Yeah. Ba, 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 bum. <laughs> Just, you don't want that over sex, no. Yes, no. yeah. They played the moment correctly. But uh, yes, an insane ending. Uh, this this is a weird episode, but uh, definitely a memorable one. Yeah, it really pushed the limit to where the show could go. It would go even crazier places, but mm -hmm. I like that they're testing it out this early and it didn't break the show. So good job to John Swartzwelder. Yeah. yeah it made for a good Burger King toy. <laughs> and if, if that Several. Is, <laughs> that's better than any Emmy to know that you uh -huh. made a good Burger King toy. Those are the best little statuettes. <laughs> so, Ian, please tell us all about what you're working on now. Uh, please tell us more about uh, Sparks, uh, Double Dog there, which is coming out, I believe, in August. People mm -hmm. can pre-order that right now if they want to. Sure, yeah. That's a book coming out from Scholastic, as you said. I'm doing that with art by Nina Matsumoto. Uh, amazing. And coloring by David Dedrick. Uh, we have our original book, Sparks, which is still out. It's about two cats that want to be heroes, but no one takes cats seriously as heroes. So they dress up as a dog in a mechanical dog suit and save the world from an able alien baby and then in the new book sparks double dog dare there's another sparks that's out there and they gotta figure out what's going on with that mm -hmm. and uh, nina did uh, an especially amazing job on this one so please do check that out uh, i also do a podcast with uh david dedrick called sneaky dragon so you can go to sneakydragon.com you'll see that and all of our more specific podcasts where we cover the beatles tin tin uh the marx brothers and uh more so that's at sneakydragon.com and i've got a book coming out from image second run of that called exorcisters yeah 
yeah. story about a girl who, when she was 13, her mom sold her soul to the devil. Hmm. She got the soul back, but it was too different uh, by the time she got it back. So now they pretend to be sisters and help others out in similar situations. And I do that with artist Giselle Legacy, who does a comic called uh, Menage a Trois. And again, it's just this amazing artist that I get to work with. And I get to work with my wife, uh, Pia Guerra, on uh, comics for The New Yorker and for Mad Magazine. Oh, man, those are all, all so great. Yeah, I read since we last recorded, I, I've read Exo Sisters and I am a big, big fan of it. I, I mean, I uh, also really love uh, Giselle's art in general. I, you know, Menage 3 like ended or transitioned to another storyline and I, I've still been keeping up with it, but I just love her. Her art is like, I joked with Nina about it of just like, it's sexy Archie. Like it's really, <laughs> it's really good. Well, now yeah. Archie is sexy. You got to sex it up even more. That's true. Well, you <laughs> she ever... actually did quite a few Archie. She did the oh. uh, Archie gender uh, swap uh, issues that were especially good oh yes yeah no she's she's great you work with so many amazing artists and i uh, do yeah. i'm very very lucky with the people uh that i work with yes but thank you so much Ian, yes for coming thank you on. ian oh i'm a big fan of this show i always listen to it and what a cartoon so uh a real pleasure anytime you want me on i will be here so thanks again to Ian Boothby. Be sure to check out all of his stuff. And as for us, if you want to check out more of our stuff and support the show and get also extra stuff on top of that, head on over to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. And if you sign up at the $5 level, you'll have access to everything behind that paywall. That includes over a hundred podcasts, way too many things to mention here. But the most recent thing that we did is a lovely Jay Kogan interview with the, oh, yeah. a writer from the first four seasons. Also, a little bit before that, we did Talking Futurama season two part part one that is 10 new episodes of talking futurama and then if you hang on for a little bit we're going to have a new mini series coming up in april and one probably coming up in october so two new mini series in 2020 for our five dollar patrons and also everything we did before that for the past nearly three years of this patreon there's mm-hmm. so much stuff happening on that five dollar level and if you enjoy hearing our voices there's so many podcasts you have not heard if you're not part of the patreon and it's really easy to sign up just go to patreon.com slash talking simpsons and henry can tell everyone out there what's happening at the ten dollar level extra long podcast once a month about a topic you decide that's right the what a cartoon movie is our monthly podcast where me and bob talk for close to four hours and over about a different animated feature film most recently we did the great mouse detective the underrated disney classic and uh, we had so much fun talking about the uh, sherlock holmesiness of it and we have a ton more in the back catalog that you can only hear over 50 hours of content if you're a ten dollar and up subscriber patreon.com slash talking simpsons and you know i just mentioned all the shorts throughout this episode if you want to check out the shorts with me and bob's commentary on it you can get that as well in the back catalog of our ten dollar and up content at patreon.com slash talking simpsons as for me i've been one of your hosts bob mackey find me on twitter as bob servo my other podcast is retronauts check it out wherever you find podcasts the classic gaming podcast or go to patreon.com slash retronauts over there we have two exclusive episodes a month for five dollar patrons so if you like retronauts and want to hear more it's at patreon.com slash retronauts if you just want to hear the podcast for free it's anywhere you listen to podcasts henry how about you hey henry gilbert you should follow me on twitter at h-e-n-e-r-e-y-g anytime new stuff's going on in my life or on the patreon and podcasts you will know about it if you follow me there and don't forget to follow the official talking simpsons twitter account as well to stay in the loop at talk simpsons pod thanks much for listening folks we'll see you again next week for the telltale head
What do you think? Should we stop here? Yes! All righty. 